Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
Father, we think that we've come to a place right now, maybe we're wrong, maybe we have so much more to learn, and that could be very much very well possible, but it sure seems in the grand scheme of all the end times things that you have revealed to us, that we are so unbelievably blessed, and I just want to say thank you, praise you, you are so awesome, Father God, your loving kindness, your mercy is unbelievable, unsurpassed, and I think really until we have experienced it, the way that many of us are currently experiencing it and have experienced it over the last several years especially, um, we really don't come to a full appreciation of how awesome you really are and how much you actually love us. It's hard to believe that as busy as the throne room has got to be during the times of darkness that the world is going through right now and the amount of arrogance that's associated with our fellow brothers and sisters, even to the point of disparaging us and saying awful mean things and and honestly believing. I mean, just like John 16, 2 says, they will kick you out of the synagogue. Yes, there will come a time that they kill you and think that they have done God a service, but they do this because they do not know the love of the Father nor me. Oh, Father, let us not have any presumptuous sin in our hearts and recognize that it's a contrite spirit that you love. Help us to understand 1 Corinthians 8, 2. If anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing, yet as they ought to know. We pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, you will keep our hearts, in our, 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 hearts our minds, our souls, our spirits humble. Humble in these days and, and seeking you with all of our hearts, knowing that, well, really, the day is upon us. I never thought I would get to a point in, in my walk, as you know, especially after what happened in 2016 and watching all the things transpire that have, that I would come to a place where I would truly believe that our that the barley first fruits harvest is imminent. And I do believe that with all of my heart. Um, I, I know I don't know how long. I know I don't even really care to know how long, quite honestly, because it could alter my behavior, and I want to continue to serve you, Father, and I pray that everybody who lives in this program desires more than anything to feed your sheep. 
whether that be through prayer and belief and, and, uh, and, you know, being one of the most powerful things that we can do on behalf of the kingdom, praying for the lost, making prayer our, the very ministry of our lives, setting aside that extra time to reside in the secret place of the Most High and truly being blessed because we have that opportunity even now. Every moment counts. Every day that goes by is, is just a zephyr. Well, many of us look back on uh, you know the last few years of our lives, and someone brings to recollection something that happened, and we're, and we're in absolute disbelief that that many years has passed by. We know that we have uh, approximately one year and seven months before Trump will be inaugurated, should that come to pass. And, um, Father, we just praise you because when we look at everything from the 343 impossible, mathematically impossible blood moon pattern that we have studied and talked about over the years, we've noted that January of 2019 was clearly the marker of the end of that 343 blood moon pattern that is absolutely so far mathematically impossible distance from any other blood moon pattern that it's utterly impossible, the ultimate sign from you, Father, and we praise you for revealing that to us. And yes, indeed, we did track it, and yes, indeed, we, we met with some disappointment due to some of the prophets and what they had said for that period. But looking back, we thank you, Father God, because we realized that that was essentially a marker in time, indeed, like no other, of dark times, darker than ever before, to come upon the earth. Really, the revealing, I would submit, ultimately, while there have been a lot of dark things happening over the last 12 years, no question, clearly the greatest marker of the end times that I have ever seen. And there's only one way that we're able to see it, and that is to live to the point that we're, we are right now, and to recognize that you haven't done anything to stop any of the bad things that have happened across the earth. And yes, there's a trickle of um, people who worship Donald Trump more than Jesus. We know that. Um, there are those who are so afraid of serving you and so unable to trust you, which I understand it's, it's part of the journey. Um, but Father, I just praise you because you know, we've got to come to that place where we just don't, we're not worried about it, that we truly trust you, that we give you praise every day, even though we do not see the manifestation of the answers of our prayers, knowing, Father God, that maybe if the answer is yes, that you will honor those prayers in your perfect timing. And it is not for us to decide, but it is definitely not for us to limit you. As it says in Psalm 78:41, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Let us not complain. Let us not criticize. Let us not condemn. Let us live in holy and righteous and pure hearts with holy and righteous and pure hearts and give you worship and and serve you father god like we have never served you before through the power of the prayer that has been given to us as a royal priesthood a holy nation your own special people that were taken out of the darkness and into your marvelous light and we praise you father god for making us that and and and, and deeming us that through your holy word and the faith that we have to walk in that and praise you and knowing that you're going to answer our prayers, praising you for them long, long, many, sometimes years before we even see the manifestation of this. I'm a, I'm living, walking testimony that, Father, and I'm not, I have definitely not arrived. I'm still holding on to the end times bumper of that, of that uh, VW microbus bouncing its way into the 
uh, you know, Revelation chapter 6. But I just praise you, Lord, for everything that you have shown us because it is so revealing. And so many people, they may be aware of this, uh, you know, the CBDCs. They may be aware of the FedNow uh, uh, program. They may be aware of the uh, executive order for uh, launching, uh, digital, you know, central bank digital currencies. They may be aware of the 15-minute cities. They may be aware of uh, the the unbelievable evil that has surrounded us like black walls closing in on us, but yet we're not really faced by it. And it's really kind of exciting because now we know beyond any shadow of a doubt because you have not stopped not a one thing, not one thing. Oh, and Father, I, I pray that you will forgive our fellow brothers and sisters who have latched on to Donald Trump as their savior. I, I As you know, Lord, I just praise you that we are all citizens of heaven, as it says in Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven. And, Father, we just praise you for helping us to be able to transcend our lives here on this earth, walk that journey through a humble and contrite spirit, understanding that we've really got to get ready. That there's, you know, while we need all the encouragement we can get, at the same time we also be, need to see encouragement in our admonishment. And understand that when we are walking a crooked path, when we should be walking a straight path, and we're so close to our departure, it is clearly not the most ideal dynamic for us. And could result, we pray not, it could result in a situation in our lives that not a single one of us wants to have to endure. And, Father, we just pray that the people that have puffed up spirits, presumptuous um, sin in their lives, that believe that they've somehow arrived in their um, understanding of things, Father, we just pray for them, and we hope that you will open their eyes, take away that presumptuous spirit. And, and if they hurt us or stab us in the back, Father, like I've had happen to me hundreds and hundreds of times, even by my own family, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that any one of us that are suffering these things understand that your scripture tells us that we should give you glory when that happens. Because those are the things, you know, we, we sometimes we just don't know when we're trying to cast our pearls before someone to help them along in their walk. We don't know that they're going to turn to attack us. We don't know that they're going to ostracize us. We don't know they're they're going to publicly denigrate us even if they're a part of our own family. And, Father, it hurts. You know, there's a lot of us that are going through that. And you know what? We just thank you for teaching us to put them at the very top of our prayer list. Remind us all through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our prayer time while we reside in the secret place of the Most High, that those who have hurt us the most, no matter how vicious the crime against us may have been or our family, Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will bring back, bring back to our recollection the importance of placing them at the very tippity top of our prayer list and pray fervently from the bottom of our heart that you will forgive them for they know not what they do. In Jesus' name we pray and sing your praises forever and ever. Jesus, you are and forever will be the wind beneath our wings.
Praise God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Praise God and thank you, Jesus. Folks, um, I honestly believe that the last radio show that we did on Sunday with Sister Terry Hill, with her awesome, edifying, and very um, uh, encouraging message always, <clears throat> I think that the information that the Lord gave us for that program was it. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that it that it explains, you know, in a, in minutia or great detail, every little tiny thing is going to happen in perfect order. That's not the point. Um, but I praise God for that program, and I have set set. I've made a marker and I've set aside the show notes from that program to reflect back upon because there was so much information associated. Well, well, well we know we know we know beyond any shadow of a doubt exactly how the mark of the beast up up to the, the last part we don't have, of course, is the actual mark itself. But all the infrastructure, if you look at it like a network, which is how they look at it, quite frankly, um, the infrastructure is essentially in place. Now, they're going to continue to build on that infrastructure, and they're going to continue as hard as they can, probably through the uh, unleashing of Mork and Dajan. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to get into the details. I will talk a little bit about the Sears plan and the tabletop exercise that they're working on right now tonight. But you know, at the end of the day, I, 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 you know, it all, it just doesn't phase me anymore. I mean, um, I really think we've come to a place where it's good. It's, a, you know, what's not good for me, I can't speak for you. And some people get afraid because they're, they don't really understand that, um, you know, what the Lord has laid before us, what the opportunity is that he's presented to us. They don't understand the parables, uh, you know, like the parable of the, um, Oh, what is the what is it called? I forget what the official name of it is, but it's where Jesus gives, or you know, it's essentially Jesus. Uh, that's what it's meant to mean. Um, gives out you know the same denarius wage to the workers in the vineyard. That might be the name of the you know the parable, but um, you know the, the the ones that showed up early were kind of indignant, and it's important for all all of us to embrace and understand. Um, the ones that showed up early were indignant and they, you know, they were because Jesus had, you know, there were people that came up to Jesus and started doing work for Jesus. Uh, that's what the parable essentially means and not essentially means it does mean that as a fact. And, um, and so what happens is, and Jesus looks at them and says, Hey, you know, am I not the master? You know, do not, do I not decide how much of a reward, e.g. in a denarius in that particular parable, how much of a reward I'm going to give to anybody for their work. In other words, he was saying, just because you showed up early on the scene, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that, that are walking around kind of with their heads, you know, and thinking, oh, man, I'm not going to make the bride. I don't have a chance to be, you know, part of the first fruits of barley harvest, you know, and I think that's a, just a big pile of baloney because the parables don't indicate that. Um, they don't. They really don't. Um, there's no indication in the scripture whatsoever that that ever, any place that says that it's about quantity, it's it's about quality. The parable of the workers in the vineyard is clearly a parable that says it really doesn't matter when you get started, just get started now. Um, praise God that we're all here and we can get started now. Uh, and getting started simply means putting a lot more 
extra effort into spending secret place, you know, you know, time in the secret place of the Most High, falling in love with your father, getting the sin out of your life. You know, again, if we don't, you know, while I appreciate people who are, you know, and this is a this is a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit, and I praise God for that. But, you know, if if you're giving out encouraging words and that's all you do, and you don't warn people that certain behaviors that they may still have in their lives are going to put them through hell on earth. I don't know about you, but what, from what I can tell, with the with the two quadrillion uh, derivatives housing collapse lined up, um, the banks, you know, obviously the orchestrated uh, controlled demolition of the banking system to be collapsed into Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, Chase, Chase, and Wells Fargo uh, as essentially the beast system banks um, to operate the CBDCs. Um, you know, it, folks, it's all there. It's all in place. So that really kind of means that we're just one major event, which could lead to martial law or whatever the case is. You know, God, you know, God is highly dynamic. Our Heavenly Father is highly dynamic. Yes, surely the Lord God's, God does nothing without first revealing it through his servants and prophets. Amen. Amos 3, 7. But he also does respond to prayer. And I will tell you that there are a lot of Trump, Trump uh, people who worship Donald Trump as Jesus Christ. But they don't realize it, and they don't realize that they've made him an idol. They just don't. They they really just don't. And so, um, you know, they don't understand the concept of that we're not from this earth, and we are not a part of this earth, and this, you know, what goes on this earth. Yeah, there's a handful of scriptures, some in Timothy, and also you got Romans 13, but you got to understand they're, the only reason that they are there telling us to pray for our governments and things like that isn't it, – it's not so that we can live a cushy – what it is is it is kind of like that in a sense, but it's not for the reason – it's not to cancel out the book of Revelation. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people who are praying with all of their might because they perceive the darkness overcoming them, and they are fearful deep inside their hearts. So they are so dependent on God to save them from the evil things that they see happening around the world because Donald Trump is their savior in this particular case. So he becomes a type of an idol. And they're like they're they're you know and that is what ultimately will be leading to the I I, I I believe with all of my heart I was correct I will maintain that position indefinitely and I uh, you know unless God proves me wrong uh, and he may he may uh, and that's okay with me I don't care you know it's that's perfectly fine but I will maintain my position that it will be the taking out of Donald Trump one way or the other because they're going to. They're going to, and um, and I can tell you that the evangelical churches churches out there um, don't believe so. They believe that their prayers, even though they're idolizing Trump and that angers our heavenly Father, um, they they actually believe that their prayers are being heard, even though it's idolization. Um, and they believe that the, uh, their prayers have been heard, even though they've been wrong. All the prophecies that they prophesied about Trump being uh, magically beamed by the Starship Enterprise back into the, you know, uh, into the uh, Oval Office, the hundreds and hundreds of prophecies of such, which I've tried to explain to people in my family. But, you, you know, it's like talking to a grapefruit. It really is. It's like talking to a kumquat. Kumquat trees are really pretty too. They're these little bitty. Uh, I always wondered what they were, and then I, I used to use. I thought it was a funny kind of a word, and then I saw they're like cute little baby oranges. They're really neat. 
They grow uh, indigenously around uh, this area in lovely Tampa, Florida. Come and visit us someday. Right, kids? Lovely Tampa, Florida. Where, where you, too, can have 48-degree mornings and 79-degree afternoons. Hallelujah. Oh, and a special shout-out to Brother Kendall. Thank you very much for reminding me and uh, being patient. I'm looking forward to meeting you over to Bahama Breeze for dinner uh, this coming Tuesday. Praise God. Um, but, um, yeah, no, um, we just have to see, you know, we're going to have to – I think we've crossed the line. Um, you know, this is just my observation, and it could it could be inaccurate. I don't know. There's always a margin of error. But my observation at this point is that I have seen absolutely not the tiniest, weeniest, itty-bittiest, tiniest little sign whatsoever that um, any of the prayers of the evangelical Christians who worship Donald Trump are going to be answered. I have seen not one, not even an inkling or infinitesimally small sign than any one of the dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of prophecies that have come from these people on various popular lists that are really Seven Mountains Mandate people, but they haven't been found out yet because most Christians, most evangelical Christians don't even know what the Seven Mountains Mandate is. Look it up. Type into Google or type into DuckDuckGo Seven Mountains Mandate got um, not got milk, but what is that? Got... uh, Oh, dagnabbit, I can't remember. But there's a there's an organization that they're not perfect. They're not perfect. But uh, here, let me try it. Give it a try just to help you out here. Yeah, there it is. Got questions. Got questions. There's a Christian organization. has a. It's called Got Questions. Like I said, they don't have it all right. Nobody does. But they have a fantastic article for those of you who may be curious about the um, fantastic deception associated with the Seven Mountains Mandate folks. And I can tell you, if you do take the time to read that article, and uh, it'll explain to you that they actually believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back, the rise of Christianity is going to come back long before, you know, the book of Revelation starts to unfold. And they believe with all of their heart, because they're following this one man who twisted a couple of scriptures upside down in, in the book of Isaiah, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, you can read the article for yourself and figure it out. I'm not going there. But um, they they basically believe that Jesus is going to come in and take over education. Well, what do we see about happening about that, huh? Mm. So that'd be a big fat no. Jesus is going to come in and take over religion. What do you think about that? Mm. Yeah, I would say that that would be not be the case. So they're wrong again, big time. Jesus is going to come in and take over the family. Well, doggone it, missed again. Family's as messed up and dorked up as it ever was. It's been prophesied for decades and decades and decades and decades and getting worse and worse and worse. But we all know that. Praise God. Jesus is going to come in and he's going to take over all businesses. (laughs) Whoopsie daisy. Oh, no. Boy, they're sure striking out. It's almost as bad as when the kids are in a bad mood. Right, kids? (laughs) Jesus is going to come in and get this. Take over the governments and the military. Can you believe that, folks? They're all going to be marching around going, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I can see the whole Pentagon lit up with praise. Yeah, no, never happened. Uh, Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to take over. Oh, get this one, folks. Flash back to the Oscars. Flash back to uh, (laughs) the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, my goodness. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to take over. The arts and entertainment. 
Oh, doggone it. Oh, and the best one of all, maybe. Jesus is going to come back and take over. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Are you ready for this? The media. <laughs> I mean, really. You, I mean, I wonder how much of your cerebral cortex has to be shaved off by a chainsaw to buy off on that. And you wouldn't believe the number of people out there that actually believe it. I mean, to imagine that some of these people have claimed to be in heaven drinking tea with Jesus and multiple times and then say that the Queen of England is located in heaven. Or Michael Jackson is going, yeah, he, he, moonwalking around heaven after all the stuff that went on there. Folks, shapeshift the queen of all lizards, the, are you kidding me, in heaven? But you know what? I'm telling you, folks, we're, it's a sad situation. It's a, it's a desperate state of affairs. No wonder the underground church in North Korea prays fervently. Do you know one of the first prayers that they pray when they're praying for the lost, when they are sneaking through the darkness, trying not to get killed by the soldiers on patrol, and going into, like, you know, caves and things to meet secretly and clandestinely in the dark? One of the first they pray for in the world, believe it or not, is the American Christian. Yeah. And the reason that we know this is because there was a, uh, I don't have his name and I don't have the testimony. I could dig it up, no problem, but I'm not going to. But there was a, um, a uh, pastor, a, a preacher, that um, was part of the underground church in North Korea. And um, he, um, you know, I don't know all the circumstances behind the whole deal, but I, I can tell you that eventually he was able to escape North Korea. I'm not suggesting that he left his uh, parishioners behind. I, my suspicion would be that they were a self-sufficient group um, because the true Christians of the original churches didn't have preachers. Okay, they behaved much more like the Amish do today. Now they may have had a you know a bishop or whatever, somebody that was leading or general overseer, whatever the case may be. But um, you know they're not dependent on somebody being a preacher. And this person, for whatever reason, because probably because it was leading of God to help warn American Christianity. But you know. Whatever. You can't. You know. I have come to the conclusion that we are so far. We're so far across the line. That the 343 blood moon pattern that we talked about for years prior to 2019 was a humongous marker of the days that were to come. And those days are without respite. And when, and really, when you think about it, we're, what, March 22nd of 2023, we're one year and about not, almost seven months, give or take, away from even the, the possibility that Donald Trump might get inaugurated without taking a bullet. Uh, we don't know. But it seems, I mean, all you got to do is look at Soros funding the, you know, bogus controlled district district attorney in New York and all the fuss and stuff about that. And, you know, the, they're serious. I mean, look, at you know, uh, Tucker Carlson releases that J6 footage. You know, of course, he's under, you know, he's, he has to behave because he can, you know, he's being allowed by a shape-shifting reptilian, Rupert Murdoch. I've seen his hand when he was shape-shifting. I've seen it on uh, my uh, brother Zen Garcia sent me a copy of it over. It was taken at the Bilderberg, one of the Bilderberg meetings. And somebody was, you know, you know, they have a flurry of uh, photographers when the Bilderberg people are coming out of their little evil meeting like Davos. And, uh, you know, the, the cameras are going, 
You know, so they're like snapping pictures as fast as they can. Well, one leaked out where um, good old Rupert's hand was kind of outside of his suit in the back of the limo, and the camera caught it just right, so you could see that it, w- it was already shape-shifting, so he needed to scurry back and get himself some more adrenal chrome. But anyway, um, you know, uh, when you know the things that we know, I know, so what happened? So Tucker comes out, he releases some footage. All the Republicans go, aha, it was a, you know, and they're making a big fuss. And what's happening? Nothing. Nothing's happening. I mean, just like Glenn Beck says, right? Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. And they're never going to because we've crossed that line. I am of the feeling at this point that we need to be very careful who we talk to. Very careful, including our family, by the way. Okay? This is my opinion. You can do whatever you want, but just be prepared because Jesus warned us that our families are going to be coming after us. They're going to be turning us in. Do you know that how, what percentage of people that got arrested for January 6th were turned in by their own family? Now, look, that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into all that because I could, I could literally do hours of testimony and I could bring people on the air that have had that happen to them, a lot of them, people all over the world, one of them in France uh, that I just talked to. There's others. The things that they're doing over in, in Belgium right now are absolutely horrific. I mean, don't even get me going on France. France is like, you know, the fourth, you know, the, the, the you know, the second French Revolution. It's, now it's like a tale of two cities all over again. Tale of two cities part two. I saw footage of people sitting in uh, trying to just think, you know, kind of blow it off and just try to have a nice dinner out on the town in France. And they're all sitting there having their meals in this restaurant. And outside the windows is nothing but fire everywhere you look. Fire, just fire, fire, fire everywhere. Uh, It was like they were all sitting in in some kind of a restaurant in hell. Um, And the fires and the the revolution that is occurring in France right now is uh, like nothing the world has ever seen. Um, but then Belgium has got some freaky-deaky weird things going on where they're setting up 15-minute cities. They're setting up 15-minute cities heavily in the United Kingdom right now. As a matter of fact, there's two of them. People are starting to protest. What they're doing is they're cutting down all the trees. You might say, well, why are they cutting down all the trees? Well, they're cutting down all the trees because trees will block a 5G signal. Why is 5G so important? Because that particular frequency set is able to handle more endpoints, more nodes. Okay? So it's not about talking to phones, it's talking about it's it's about talking to human bodies. So they needed a a technology that had the ability for them, like we played on the last show, that the, where the DARPA scientist was saying we would we have the ability to basically push a button and kill a single individual anywhere in the world. Well, first they need to set up 5G and all that kind of stuff. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily that they can't do it with 2G or whatever or whatever. Okay, um, you just have to understand that 5G is optimal. Okay. Which, by the way, is why they have to hustle us all into the 15-minute cities, because that makes the, the, the control of the population so much easier for them. And they don't have to deal with rebels running around and giving them a problem and all that. So, so we know what the end game is. Well, the last piece of the end game is a digital tattoo. You may have seen cop, uh, photographs of that on the Internet. But it's a digital tattoo that they will be tattooing to the right hand of those who want to take the mark. But I can tell you this. 
taking of the mark, okay, so the scripture says that the beast will cause the people to take the mark. Well, I will tell you this. I had a conversation with an extremely intelligent Christian man who is, uh, I'm just, I'm not going to get into too many details, but he is extremely intelligent. I've worked with him. Uh, and uh, we had a long conversation, and we have a relationship that is unlike any other, uh, in the sense that you know he's in a, on a different. Well, anyway, the, well, the bottom line is, he asked me. He said, I, "You know, I, I hear, I, I get the different pieces of the puzzle, but I don't understand how they're going to overcome me. You know, I've got all this." You know, I've got all the, I'm I'm prepared. I'm, I'm I got all the food I'd ever want to have. I've got, you know, means for hunting. Um, you know, I've even got property set aside uh with a cave on it. I've got, you know, a cabin that can house, you know, he's he's telling me all this stuff and I said, oh, "I'll tell you how they're going to get to you. They're going to collapse all the minor banks. They're going to roll it into uh, you know, a central bank digital currency and they're going to include all your money. And they're going to outlaw cash. You know, and once they do that, where do you go? You don't have any place to go. So if you don't have, and, and, and there's a lot of people out there, well, buy chickens, buy chickens. No, they're coming for you too. Oh, plant gardens, plant. No, they're coming for you too. They know about you already. It, you know, there's so many Christians believe that they found some sort of a secret hiding place, some panacea where they're going to. And don't even get me going on the Great Tribulation when rows and rows and rows of UFOs are flying in formation over houses and burning people to death in places like Panama because they thought that they found a nice place to hide away from the Great Tribulation or all, or all the ugly stuff that's coming our way, even before the Great Tribulation. So it's like, it, you know, when I explain the concept to my friend Mark, who has all that extra property and everything, he he was like, oh, because he realized that, he, you know, I, I, some people are so intelligent that when you explain the master plan, you only have to explain it once. And um, and then it's it's done. It's a done deal. And, um, you know, it was so nice of Mark. I, God bless his sweetheart. He said to me, well, if it comes to that uh, anytime soon, he goes, I will give you a phone call uh, and you can you can drive up here and come with my family to our hiding place. Which, by the way, is hid, hidden very well. This guy is extremely smart. But anyway, um, and he bought it a long time ago. But anyway, <clears throat> and his wife is a Potawatomi uh, Indian lady who's a Christian. And she gets stuff, you know what I'm saying? So praise God for that. But anyway, um, I'm not concerned in the least little bit. I'm, I'm really in um, as about as dangerous a spot as can be. Subtract, subtract maybe the people that live in California. The Christians that are living out in California are in, they're at ground zero, <laughs> okay? So Christians that are living in Chicago and anywhere on the west coast of the United States of Babylon the Great are absolutely at ground zero right now. And, you know, that's okay. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not telling anybody to run from death. Why would you do that? You're running from life if you're running from death, if you love Jesus. So I don't understand that concept. I never did, and, and I've never felt led. You know, a lot of people have, we've even brought people on the show, oh, the Lord has placed it on my heart to set up a place of refuge and stuff. And I'm like, um, well, okay. 
But um, and maybe you know, in a, I know that that's going to happen. I know there will be places of refuge. I know there will be Christians that are running for their lives. Um, I know that those things are going to come to pass. I don't have any intention. Uh, I don't have any intention of participating in that. I pray in the name of Jesus that you don't either. That's why I ended the the program, the last program, with Second Corinthians seven one. Now, knowing these things, brethren, let us cleanse ourselves of. Let us doesn't say Jesus. It doesn't say our Heavenly Father. It says, now knowing these things, brethren, let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God sending us to hell. And that's exactly what it means. And you can go ahead and set up a YouTube channel and disparage me and call me all kinds of names. And you know what? You're not. It isn't going to phase me. But I would look. I would look over your shoulders after you do that because I can guarantee I'm under the protection of God because I should be dead 50 times over. So go ahead to your own peril if you want to do that. All the power to you. But I have absolutely no fear because I understand the scripture and I am a living testimony of the fact that for whatever reason, God wants to keep me alive. And I am as imperfect as they come. Like I said, minus killing Christians, (laughs) I've probably outdone Paul in every category. Praise God. And I'm definitely more of a prisoner of Christ than Paul ever was. You know, in the supermax. So praise God for that. Except Kendall, hey, Bahama Breeze, <laughs> if he's listening, praise God for that. Every once in a while, God sends me a listener on the other program, and we meet. You know, I always like to meet over at Bahama Breeze. It's very tropical, and uh, you know, it's kind of like you know, when you come to Florida, that's what kind of like what you want to do. You know. So anyway, praise God. Um, uh, you know, I think we're at a really cool place. I'm excited about it. What when I get depressed, I get depressed because. Mostly now there's I've gone through many phases of depression over the years for many different reasons because of the attacks that I've gone through the refiner's fire things that I've gone through all kinds of unbelievable just horrible horrible things that most people would they wouldn't be able to recover from Um, it takes a supernatural touch of the Lord to be able to recover from the things that I've been put through I can that I promise you Um, but anyway all that being said. it has a very humbling effect on you, and praise God for that, because heaven knows where I would end up, you know, would have ended up if I didn't, you know, get my spankings behind the barn. But, you know, again, we've got to connect that negative battery to the terminal. It's one thing that, to preach, you know, um, encouragement and all that kind of thing. You know, we all need to be encouraged. That's true. But you got to remind people. Because there are going to be people that are going to take that encouragement and go right on. Hallelujah. I'm in like Flynn. This is really great. And then Saturday night, they're going to hit the liquor, and they're going to be in there doing things they shouldn't ought to be doing in front of a computer screen. They're going to have, you know, hate in their, their lives. They're going to have people that hurt them that they're angry about, and that is a form of unforgiveness. They're going to, and if they have that, they're going to hell. I mean, that's a that's a first. My goodness, that's do not pass go. Do not pa- collect two hundred dollars if you have. It, it doesn't matter what the crime was. Oh, but that mean man, he 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 violated my daughter. You're going to hell. I am just look. I'm here. I have a job to do. Okay, and the reason why this is a broadcast and not an interactive radio show is because I don't give a dag nabbit. <laughs> 
Okay, you got to understand the Bible's the Bible, the Bible's inerrant, it is. But the problem is, a lot of people think it's not inerrant. But the, but that's because they haven't walked up the ladder. They don't understand. They don't understand the eternal. Uh, uh, they don't get it. They don't know. They can't stitch it together to save their lives, and they're sitting in churchianity, and, or they're out. Anyway, I'm not even going to, you know, it just drives me crazy, of course. But, um, you know, we, we're just going to keep on going. And we need to keep on remembering that prayer, and I, oh, folks, I just can't lean on this enough. Prayer is bar none the most important thing to our Heavenly Father. Prayer is more important than you becoming a preacher. Prayer is more important than you standing on a street corner with a megaphone. Prayer is more important than anything that you can do for God. And we all sit around lamenting, going, Oh my, I'm not doing enough for the Lord. I'm not going to be found worthy. I won't make it no matter how hard I try, blah, 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 blah. Which is exactly what the devil wants you to believe. Go read the parable of the of the uh, workers in the vineyard. Understand that Jesus makes up his mind who's going to be part of his bride. He doesn't set a limit. He doesn't say you have to start when you're nine years old. He doesn't say that you have to start back in 2015. He doesn't say that you have to start a blog talk radio show. He doesn't say you have to do anything. He says the last will be first and the first will be last and I will pay people what I deem they are worth to me. And he doesn't care what time you show up. Even the parable of, uh, of the uh, prodigal son. The, the, the son that was a good son was hanging out with the father. The father. And he's hanging out with him going, wait a minute. How come you're giving him a signet ring? I've been the good son. I've been the good son. And the father's running out and he's hugging his naughty, 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 naughty son with all of his might. And he gives him a signet ring. Why do you suppose he did that? Because he was telling him that you are part of the bride of Jesus Christ. The problem is we just don't see the parables as we ought. The parables tell us a story. The parables are incredibly encouraging. It doesn't mean that if you're not perfect right now that you can't cleanse yourself of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, and get on your knees right now and make a difference. Hallelujah, because our time is short. And it doesn't matter if you show up late for the, for the, uh, you know, the uh, picking of the, the grapes in the vineyard. Jesus will make that decision. Praise God. All right, so do not be discouraged by people like me that are going to come out and tell you the truth about the Bible. That there isn't, you know, it is important how we behave. It is important the decisions that we make. But it isn't the end of the world if you dork up. That's the coolest part of all, because if it was, you know, I'd be just hiding in the corner of my bedroom crying like a little baby, sobbing because I thought I was, you know, pretty sure I was going to hellfire. And, and you know, and I, bet you there's, I believe with all of my heart, there are probably even Christians out there that think that kind of stuff. And um, it's not true. It's exactly what the devil wants you to think. It's baloney. What's really true is that we've been, every one of us, have been given the greatest gift when I say us, I do mean this this radio show. Um, I can't speak for other radio shows because, quite frankly, I've been told not to listen to them. Now, I'm allowed to go out and ferret around for news and end times apocalyptic stuff, but I, I've been I, – I feel deeply in my heart the Lord has impressed upon me not to listen to a single other pastor ever, ever again. Um, I can be kind and go to a church with somebody if they ask me to, but, you know, I got to watch what gets into my heart and what I think. Um, because that's not good. 
and it can, you know, it's not, it's just not good. You, you, we have to love people. We have to love even those who are in error. We have to love those who treat us horribly, even if they're, you know, we, that's, we, it's not a choice. It's not a choice. And if we aren't operating completely out of love in everything that we do and think and say, completely, totally out of love, totally being in love with our Father with all of our heart, just loving him so much and feeling just so bad when we dork up. And, just, you know, it, it, it really is a continuous cycle. We're never completely out of, you know, out of the, you know, like David said in Psalm 51, my sin is always before me and in sin my mother's conceived me. You know, I find that very interesting. I wonder why King David said, in sin my mother conceived me. It almost sounds to me, well, I'm not going to get into it, but I'm pretty sure that God does not like the fact that we are in human bodies right now. He's obviously disgusted with the very concept of the flesh. The Apostle Paul basically admonished the church of that, or that, let's say the believers of that time, and he said, hey, in whatever state God finds you in, or whatever state you believe, start believing in Jesus, if you're unmarried, stay unmarried. Okay, but then he concedes and he says, but on account of sexual immorality, you can all go ahead and take your virgins and get married and stuff. I would rather you do that than, you know, be committing sexual immorality. So and so, by the way, sexual immorality is in the heart, too. Just thinking about it. Uh, I've used this analogy a gazillion times and think of it like this. You're sitting in a restaurant. This is this is especially for the guys, but nowadays with the girls, it's you know also quite possible, unlike less likely, but quite possible. But you're sitting in a restaurant. You're having your meal with whoever you may be there with, um, and a waitress comes walking up to your table. And when she starts walking towards your table, you, you, the thought enters your mind. You're looking at her, and you're like going, my gosh, she is one of the most beautiful women I have ever seen in my life. If you don't stop at that microsecond, and you start to think a little bit more about her, just a little, then you are an adulterer. I know, that's hard to believe, huh? Well, that's what Jesus said. We're not even allowed to think about it. So you've got to arrest those thoughts. You've got to stop them before they manifest into full-blown heart sin. Heart sin. Our hearts and what we think about in our hearts is the change. It's, that's where the line is drawn. So when you start thinking about her in a way that you shouldn't ought to be thinking about her, which, by the way, is essentially the same thing that the fallen angels did, the sons of God who came down on into the daughters and men and had bare giants and all that creepy weirdness. You know, that is exactly the same thinking that occurred when those fallen sons of God, which were just fallen angelic beings, but, um, you know, but that were commissioned by God to, do, to be holy watchers, but they crossed the line. They looked at the waitress heading to their table, and they said, you know, I got to, you know, okay, let's do it kind of thing. 
Okay, well, guess what? When you're sitting there having your dinner and you're looking at the waitress walking to your table and you're thinking that kind of stuff, guess what? You're done. You, you know, you have crossed the line. Now, praise God that our Father is merciful, and you, you're given an opportunity to confess of your sins because God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us, cleanse us of all unrighteousness, First John 1, 9. But it doesn't mean that you are not imminently guilty of committing sexual immorality with your heart. So again, I'm I'm I am the most guilty individual the world in the world, and I it makes me uniquely qualified to talk about these things and to help people understand. You know, again, if your five year old was raped by a man and you are holding, you know, you if you bring it up, even if you bring it up on a you know, man, I I, I really am trouble. You know, you, you keep on mentioning it. Or your family says something to you, and you're like, "My family." You know, when 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 you've been wronged, and it keeps on coming back to your memory, you have not forgiven that person. Because true, godly, loving forgiveness means that you don't care. You love them. And you pray for their soul, and you mean it with all of your heart. Otherwise, you are a hypocrite before God. He doesn't like that. So um, these things may seem trivial, but they're not to our Heavenly Father. And the reason why I bring them up so fervently is because I know from personal experience how easy it is to trip over things and make up excuses in our head and just, you know, and it's, it, folks, we just, first and foremost, what you're doing is you're robbing yourself of some degree of rewards in heaven, some degree of inheritance in heaven, which, you know, there was one lady that was taken to heaven and she has a wonderful testimony and everything, but when Jesus was taking her around uh, and showed her her mansion, there were, there was like a big giant pile of gifts, she, she recalls, and she says there was this big pile of gifts over in the corner of the room, and Jesus said um, that, you know, something along the lines of that's not for us to talk about right now. Because our works will be tested of what sort they are by fire. And some of them will result in a reward, and some of them will result in, uh, you know, not a reward. So I already know, just from the scriptures and understanding how it works, that when she was shown those gifts, Jesus will be having a conversation with her about why she not going to get those gifts because she did this and this and this and this and this. So I figure I probably have a stack of gifts about the size of the Chrysler building that the Lord's going to be pointing to when he tells me to go back to my my, um, pup tent on the top of a banished mountain somewhere waiting for me to, uh, for him to soon come and visit me. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope, like everybody else hopes, I hope that you hope the same thing, that we are all going to be found worthy to escape these things ultimately. Now, you know, every generation would read Luke. You know, you could have been 1636. You could have, you know, you could, whatever, 1836, you know, the whole uh, Ellen G. White thing. You know, you, you can't, the scriptures were for everybody for every time, right? So it's not specifically, but we are in a very unique time right now. And we have been, God shared with us some pretty cool stuff, really cool stuff that very, very few other Christians know about. And they, won't, they don't accept it either because they're living in their own little world. And, and dare you, how dare you 
try to share anything with them that is outside of their comfort zone. They want to be the only pebble on the beach. There can't be any life in outer space. There can't be anything that's a fallen angelic being that, you know, that you see, it's befuddling to me. It's really befuddling. And you think it's befuddling me. It's really befuddling to Peterson. But anyway, um, or at least it has been over the years. So um, because you, and we, we've crossed that line, I believe with all of my heart, we've crossed the line whereby we're going to be able to reach anybody. Um, I, I won't give you the examples because I just don't have time. And I certainly don't want to say anything that could be listened to later that could make somebody feel bad. But it definitely triggered a need for more prayer on my part for my daughter and my ex-wife, who have come a long way, but are still thinking certain things that are not okay to the Father, which is fine, which is fine, because all those who call out upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And actually, a lot of people are like, oh, no, this is my daughter. Oh, no, this is my son, especially moms. Moms are like, they got that DNA thing, the mommy DNA. And they're like, oh, I don't want my, my daughter or my, my son to have to go through all those horrible things. And I'm, you know what? At the end of the day, I just don't want my daughter in hell. That's it. If she has to go through some really horrible things to wake up and cry out to Jesus, then hallelujah, at least she makes it into heaven. Praise God. That's, I, I'm, I'm a totally heaven and hell guy. That's where my focus is. And also, hopefully, not having to, you know, be subject to 15-minute cities and all the things that are coming that are heading at us. They're heading directly at us as fast as you can possibly imagine. As a matter of fact, in the United States of America, Babylon the Great, they have decided that J- July is their target date for the beginning of the implementation of the uh, central bank digital currency. July of this year. So anyway, um, you know, now what does that mean? And, and how long is it going to take them to collapse the banks? And, you know, and what does it mean to start the, the, you know, to start it? You know, what does that mean? I don't know. We don't know. We don't know how long we're going to be here. That's the number one thing people ask me. Johnny, how long do you think we're going to be here? Johnny, you know, how long do you think before the rapture? I don't tell you straight up. I don't know. Um, I do still believe that it is probably, it could be possible, but I, I, I you know what? I'm just going to say this. I really don't know. I mean, I've been looking at things fervently for 12 years. And we've been blessed by every piece of information that any proper Jesus-loving Christian, end-times Christian, would want to know. I really don't know how much the Lord could impart upon the listening audience of this program. It's just amazing. It's astonishing. It's stupefying how much God has given us. Praise his name. Um, and all that being said, um, watch out, because Luke twelve forty seven to 48 says, to whom much has been given, much will be required. So you really need to set that alarm earlier and dig in on your prayer lives. Praise God. If you've got anything going on in your life, any, anything that's not right, remember, anybody that's wronged you, I don't care if they're a rapist or whatever, it doesn't matter. Anybody that's wronged you, even if they've murdered your mom in front of your face, doesn't matter. Anyone who has wronged you, anyone, they must be placed at the top of your prayer list. They must be placed at the top of your prayer list. William Law, a well-known, awesome preacher, is known at least for one very well, you know, an awesome quote. And that quote is, 
Nothing will make us love a person more than praying for them. Because you, Christian, fellow brother and sister of mine, if you can look at that offender in hellfire, then the way God looks at it is then you can join them. Because with your prayers, you could have saved them from hellfire. But instead, you chose to not forgive. That's how our Father looks at it. Clear as a bell in the Bible. No debating it. No argument. As a matter of fact, I even have a testimony of a particular woman that was on Sid Roth who was taken to hell and couldn't believe it. She came, she came back and testified in front. That, that's her testimony. Her testimony is I saw so many Christians in hell, and it was all because they had unforgiveness in their heart. Whoa. That one there is a sneaky one. You really got to examine your heart. If you keep on bringing it up, folks, if you keep on remembering it over and over, you have not forgiven them. True forgiveness. Oh, but I, I forgive them, you see, but I, uh, uh, you know, I'm just going to distance myself for them. Yeah, 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 that's the ticket. I don't, want, I don't want anything that, you know, I don't want nothing to do with, I don't want, yeah. Okay, so that's your definition of love. Examine your heart. Put everybody that's hurt your feelings, it doesn't matter, raped your kids, killed your parents, it doesn't matter. Put them at the top of your prayer list. I have a big, big group of people that I have to pray for every single morning. And then guess what? I have to add, now I have to add my, my own sister. And I'm not going to get into it. But, I, you know, it. our families, look, the devil is going to use our families to send us all straight to hell. I'm telling you. I have warned people about not going out and being very careful what they look at on YouTube and, and, their, and what they say on, on social media, and they, they don't listen to me. And that's okay, because Jesus told me, you know, I was ready to quit the radio show. I was so distraught over it, and I thought to myself, why am I even sacrificing my whole life like this for, fr for free? I'm paying for everything. I've never taken a single tithe or offering in 12 years. And, um, and worked through, I mean, but anyway... And I beg people, I, I, you know, please don't do this, and here's why. I play testimonies of people that have, been, that have seen people being cast into hell over social media. There's information out there that is, going, that is so dangerous right now, and I'll leave it at that. My recommendation, I know it don't mean nothing to you. You're just listening to some voice on a, on, on a radio show. That's fine. But if you find yourself in hell, believe me, you'll remember my words. You will remember my words. But I don't want to even imagine that could be possible. Again, I strongly, powerfully recommend avoiding. Now, the reason why I use Twitter is for the show. The reason why I use Twitter is because my calling, other than prayer, is to advise, warn, and help people understand how very, very close we are. That's my job. And it ain't a fun job. Nothing fun about it. Now, all that being said, 
I got to keep on reminding myself of how blessed we all are, and I got to keep on praying for you fervently, which I do every single listener of this program, especially those who so much as mention my name to the Lord in prayer, because I need a lot. But I will say, my when I give recommendations, when I say that you really need to put these people at the top of your prayer list, you really need to watch your step and be very careful what you look at out on YouTube. You really need to, or, or what you say on Facebook. If you knew what I know, oh, but who are you? Nah, I'm nobody. I really am nobody. And I praise God that I'm nobody. I know that I'm nobody. But I will say this. This nobody loves every single listener of this program more than you can ever imagine. And this nobody has spent 12 years of his life in intense sacrifice, beatings, and unbelievable experiences that are nothing less than, um, I mean... This nobody has never taken a penny of your money. This nobody has never put up a PayPal button. This nobody has never done anything but talk on this program to encourage you and to warn you. And this nobody on that last radio show painted out the clearest picture, I believe, ever presented to any Christian in the entire world ever thank you, Jesus, on how imminent we are, how close we are to the implementation of the mark of the beast, to the imprisonment of Christians. Folks, we are so there. Words will never be able to capture it. But that last radio show definitely had the evidence that was necessary to paint out that picture. And I praise God for that, because that's what I'm here for. I'm not here for compliments. I don't care for compliments. I don't like them. I believe like Smith Wigglesworth, you know, like you know when that when that family came into his uh, revival tent and he was sitting in the front of the tent, and the family came in and the, and and the, the the master of the house, you know, the the, the father of the large family, uh, he's like, hey everybody, there's Smith Wigglesworth. Hey look, there's Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth jumps up on his the folding chair in the tent and points down at them and says, what are you trying to do? Send me straight to hell. You know, when I reflect back on the hundreds of people that have disparaged me, the YouTube channels that were set up, the websites that have actually linked over to my professional resume online that have tried to get me fired, the horrible things that have happened to me even through my own family and all these things. And you know what? I praise God because you know what each one of them tells me? And <laughs> I'm right on target. And I'm not right on target because there's anything special about me. I can tell you that for sure. I am right on target because it's obvious. <laughs> when when the devil's army is lobbing grenades at you all day long, there's a reason for it. The devil's army. Oh, and by the way, the biggest part of the devil's army on the face of the earth are known as Christians especially in the United States of Babylon the Great. Watch out for their AK-47s. They're going to get you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's go into the news. And Peterson, if you're listening out there, yes, I made it a three-hour show. So you'll get the babble about all kinds of babbly things and leviathans changing into rocks and shape-shifting, you know, gridlock and Lugo and all that kind of stuff you like to talk about. Praise God. All right. So anyway, on that note, let's go into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. 
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Kids, what do lawyers wear to court? What do lawyers wear to court? Lawsuits. (laughs) Spanky, what's on that sign? Spanky, put down that sign. Ah, see that? Spanky. Kids, want to hear a bad cat joke? Just kidding. <laughs> Come on, kids. Just kidding. That's pretty good, huh? Come on, kids. Thank you. I'm going to take that tablet from you. I'm going to take that tablet from you. I'm going to find out what's on that tablet. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. How do you weigh a millennial? <laughs> this is good. This is very apropos. Kids. How I know your parents aren't. I know none of you have. I I get it. I get it. You're not allowed to do. I I'm, I get it. But work with me here. Just think about it. How do you weigh a millennial in Instagrams? <laughs> now you gotta like that one, right, kids? What now? Come on. Oh. Hey, Spanky, Spanky, you you and me are going to have a little talk after the show, okay? So just hang out there. Don't be going home too soon. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. On that note, let's move into the news. First one up, Trump live updates. Manhattan grand jury is not meeting on Wednesday. And where are we at right now? Wednesday, March the 22nd. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think I owe a happy birthday to Paula out in uh, France. Um, uh, Paula is our uh, French, um, uh, uh, you know, Jesus reporter on the spot. Uh, so she keeps us updated uh, as to the, um, you know, the progress in the in the second French Revolution on a regular basis. So we get some firsthand hand evidence. So anyway, happy birthday to you. Uh, I think it's actually, I think it might actually be tomorrow technically, but I'm still going to shout it out because I ain't going to be around tomorrow. Well, I'll be around. I mean, unless God lets me die in my sleep. Now, that would be toast. Totally cool. If I ever disappear for like no reason... Either it's those choppers, those black helicopters, or those big black um, Tahoes came to my house finally. Or God took me home. Now, that would really be cool. But, you know, I've had people, oh, don't say that, Johnny. We need you to be here and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like thinking to myself, what? All right. Next one up. Israel introduces bill to outlaw teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they are going. It's a bill. All it is is a bill, and then, and then the sentence violators to prison, and it's a big prison sentence, and everybody's making a big deal about it. And they're they're all going to Netanyahu, going, oh no 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 no, don't let it happen, don't let it happen. Uh, it ain't gonna happen. Uh, now what 
y'all may not understand about Israel, which Israel is very complex. And be very careful what you think, because people who think they know something, well, Israel this and Israel that and this, that, and the other thing, tribe it in and blah, blah, blah. Let me, let me tell you something. You better watch your step, because God says in Hosea 2, verse 19 through 20, he says, I will betroth thee. So what you're doing is when you're speaking bad about Israel, you're basically slapping God in the face and saying, oh, oh, that was your wife. Hey, sorry about that, Lord. Okay, so yes, his wife is naughty sometimes, right? Do you think God has some sort of dislike for evangelical Christians as naughty as they are? No, he loves us all. That's why we got to pray for one another. All right, praise God. But yeah, this is, uh, it's troubling, but what? Okay, so like I invited a uh, a guy by it was a Jew, he was a Jewish man, a Jewish German who had moved back, you know, to Israel to live, and he had tried to go out and, you know, tell some of the Jews and stuff that you know Jesus was their Lord, <laughs> and he flew over from his believe it or not flew flew over from Israel to stay at my house with me, and we were going to a revival together. His name was Benjamin, and this is a long time ago, and um. Well, first and foremost, he was very disappointed in what he saw in the American church, which, by the way, so is I. So he left early. Uh, they beg for money so much, it's just like it makes you nauseous. And then, um, but the other thing is, he explained to me, he's like, yeah, he goes, the Hasidim, the ultra-Orthodox will chase you down the road to kill you if you mention Jesus. Okay, did you hear what I said? Yeah, they, uh, it's, it's fascinating how the ultra-Orthodox can quickly forget uh, the vast majority of what's in their Old Testament. But, you know, people will be people, won't they? All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Wave of anti-government protests are setting the world on fire. And again, it's, it's, it is. It's true. It's all over the world. It's happening everywhere, virtually. Um, you know, not, you know, but uh, France, Greece, Great Britain, Israel, Venezuela, South Korea, Moldova. That's a big protest. Portugal, yep. Um, and France, of course, as it says in this article, is setting the world on fire. <laughs> They're definitely setting France on fire, that's for sure. And it's all over the place. You know, it started out in Paris, but now it's all over the place. Um, the French know how to protest. As a matter of fact, I've even seen people going, Viva la France! You know, if Americans would only protest that way, but, you know. But, you know, the, the, they tried to go to Macron's, uh, you know, I don't know what they call it, presidential palace or something like that. They wanted to burn it down. But, uh, you know. The military came out on force. Um, next one up. Oh, 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 oh. I want to play this one for you just as a little reminder. So hang in, hang in there for me, Peterson, all right? Because, you know, it might take a little while to do some of this stuff. All right, so let me double-click this and bring it up. Let me hit play. Oh. Um, Bill Gates and the World Health Organization have announced when we will see the next pandemic. And they have a date for us. Uh, so get this on your calendar. Prepare, you know, Plan your trips around this next pandemic right now. We'll have more on that in a second and the dates. But you'll remember Bill Gates and the World Health Organization previously held what was known as the 2001 event, event 201, sorry, event 201, 
Um, and it was about the two, Event 201 exercise. It was a simulation involving a coordinated global response to a coronavirus that they held in a simulation just months before COVID-19 was declared a global pandemic. So they're pretty good at predicting this stuff. I don't know how they pull this off. How yeah, both- no, Fauci, remember, Fauci told Trump in 2017, not that there could be, not that there might be, but there would be a pandemic during his presidency. Yes. Yeah, and Obama ran exercises for it during his pregnancy. During his pregnancy. (laughs) During his presidency, too. At the womb factory. (laughs) So they've just gotten together and they're doing it again now. Uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, along with Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security and the World Health Organization. I wish I was making this up, but this this is not a conspiracy theory. They did this. And they just conducted their next pandemic tabletop exercise in Belgium. It's called the Catastrophic Contagion. Hey, honey, where are you going this weekend? I'm going to Belgium. I got a conference. Oh, yeah, what's it about? Uh, It's called the Catastrophic Contagion event. Oh, what are you guys going to be doing? Oh, we're just planning the next pandemic, just getting everything ready, getting everything ready, locked up, and the new virus and vaccines. We'll have vaccines ready to go because that's how we do this. We, We plan it, and then we, of course, have the vaccines ready to go. So this is the video that Bill Gates put together along with the team, complete with simulated news reports like this. This is really what they're preparing for us. This video is called Get Ready. Watch. Catastrophic contagion of global challenges. Breaking news. Two Latin American countries alerted the WHO of several outbreaks of a new infectious disease that's mysteriously appearing across the region. Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome 2025. Oh, so that's the name, guys. Just write this down. That'll be the name of it, okay? It's going to Sears. Sears. It's going to be called the Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome in 2025 is when we'll see it. All right. So um, that's what they're saying. Time-wise, we don't know. And could there be something else in the meantime? Absolutely so. Um, and uh, but anyway, I would I wanted to pray. Pr- pr- uh, I mean, play that uh, one more time, just to. And don't please do not get tied up on the dates because these reptilian overlord entities from the Baldachiol, they are so much smarter than humans are. They are so much smarter than humans are. And they are monitoring everything that we say, think, I mean, not some people, they can monitor what they think. Well, they, you know, demons know, I remember I wrote an article about this. Boy, I'll tell you, it upset so many Christians, you wouldn't believe it. You know, I let them know, of course, that demons are able to read our minds, our thoughts, that kind of thing. And they're like, oh boy, it just flipped people up. Now they can't. I'm like, oh man. So anyway, um, so anyway, we move on. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Zero Hedge uh, tells everybody, he says, every day the Fed is paying the large banks in money markets $650 million in interest on reserves and reverse repos, uh, $700 million tomorrow. Meanwhile, the small banks are hemorrhaging billions in liquidity and are about to shut lending activity due to a deteriorating reserve shortage. And they show all of the charts and then, of course, uh, you know, people comment and uh, I was not at all surprised to see that the vast majority of people, uh, many of which were in the financial services sector, were like, uh, oh, uh-oh, kind of thing. All right, praise God. All right, the next one up. Thank you, Jesus. 
All right. So get this. So when um, we all ought to know, if we don't know already, that Xi Jinping met with Putin, and it was a it was an amazing event, really. Um, and of course, you know, whatever, uh, nothing but dribble and um, Hershey. Nah, I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, uh, yeah, don't even bother listening to anything that comes out of the United States or the, or the White House. I mean, it is just, just so dribbling lies of, from the bowels of hell. But anyway, so um, when uh, Xi Jinping and Putin said goodbye after their large red carpet meeting that was a worldwide event that nobody in the West even knew about, mostly, um, they actually said – um, change is coming that hasn't happened in over 100 years. We are driving this change together. And Putin said, I agree. And then Jing, Xi Jinping says, take care, my dear friend. And Putin says, have a safe journey. <laughs> oh, now, don't get me wrong. There's some places in Russia I wouldn't mind living, but... Uh, <laughs> Not near the Ukraine border, and there ain't no place in China. Forget that noise. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's move on. Next one up. Jinping meeting marks the tectonic geopolitical shift, which the West is not ready for. That's another headline. And, oh, yeah, government crimes. I think I'm going to put this one off because it's really long, but it's also really sad, too. But there is a, um, hmm trying to think if there's some way I can turn you on to it, but no, I, I don't think I can. I'll just have to play it on a future show, but it's a testimony of a nurse who she's uh, she's gone total whistleblower uh, on what happened to her while she was in the hospitals working um, during the COVID outbreak, and she watched people getting slaughtered by the hospital administration uh, intentionally throwing people on respirators knowing they were going to die in advance. It's really horrible stuff. Matter of fact, it was so horrible what she saw. She called a lawyer because she said, no one is going to believe what I am seeing. And then she started to clandestinely record things on her phone. Got a lawyer, and the lawyer said, you got to get more information. We're going to go after him kind of thing. Where do you think this is going to All I can tell you is that she seems to be, you know, she's whistleblowing, and she's out there, and she's telling people, but... Not really sure how much of a difference it's going to make. You remember that guy, that lawyer, that international lawyer that came forward and he's like, we're going to launch a global lawsuit, an international case against Gates and Fauci and all these others, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, for, for crimes against humanity. And everybody's like, going, yay, where'd he end up? <laughs> so, all right, praise God. Next one up. All right. Praise Jesus. The Candida virus has a 60% mortality rate. Could this be some other thing that'll just keep us busy along the journey? I don't know. Let's see what this says. So we have what seems to be an alarming medical story to share with you tonight. A contagious fungus appears to be spreading through the country. It has what appears to be a very high mortality rate. The fungus is called Candida auris. Cases have more than tripled in recent years. Seems like something out of fiction. Is it a threat to you, to all of us? Dr. Mark Siegel joins us tonight to assess that. Hey, doctor. Tucker, it's not a threat to us yet because it mainly spreads among the immunocompromised in hospitals and nursing homes and even healthy people. 
Okay. Now, we can listen to them Babylon. Babylon. But did you see what he said? It primarily spreads amongst the immunocompromised. So who are the immunocompromised in the world? Yep, every single person who took the Pfizer vaccine. You are immunocompromised. Now, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you prayed over it like I told you to, which most people wouldn't, then you might be all right. Well, I know that you are all right if you prayed like I told you to. All right, praise God. But, you know, that's because we have the promises of the Holy Scripture. We, got it. We, need, we need to act like Jesus, and we need to take that power that we were given and use it against the weapons of warfare that are waged against us. All right, but I just wanted to point out his little comment about, oh, we don't need to worry about it. It only affects the immunocompromise. And I'm like... Knucklehead! Knucklehead! (laughs) Okay? Do you have any idea what the number one thing that happens to people that take the Pfizer vax? Immunosystem compromise. All right. Now, you might say, what's happening to the people over in Europe right now? Belgium's going on lockdown. They're starting to set up 15-minute cities. The roads are getting rearranged, all kinds of weirdness. I got a friend of mine. At, uh, you know, we, I talk to him almost every morning. His name is Tramil. He, he lives over there with his family uh, in, um, in Belgium. And, uh, and he's telling me about all the stuff that's going on. He's like, man, it's moving fast here, my friend. And, you know, he's, he's, sent, he's like, I've made my mind up. I'm going to move somewhere. I'm like, well, where are you going to move to? And he's like, Idaho. <laughs> and I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, uh, and then I'm coming with him. <laughs> Praise God. So anyway, um, so let's listen to what they're telling everybody over in Europe right now. Kind of, uh, you know, revealing, right? So this is what the EU central bank folks are saying to the entire European Union. And by the way, it's all over their TVs. Where do we stand? We central bankers. We have been operating as a monetary anchor in relation to the commercial banks and the private money. If we are not in that game, if we are not involved in experimenting, in innovating in terms of digital uh, central bank money, we risk losing the role of anchor that we have played uh, for many, many decades. And we have historical examples of period where the central bank uh, monetary anchor all right, enough is enough. Shut up and just ride your sleigh to the bottom of Dante's Inferno. Uh, praise God, these reptilians are everywhere, man. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up, this is another testimony about the smart cities from a guy by the name of Jordan Peterson who's under a lot of persecution, uh, but doesn't really, he's kind of like a honey badger. He doesn't really give a darn. All right, next one up. Hold on a second. Here we go. In Canada, Google attempted to collude with the Ontario government to to make the new port development in Toronto into a smart city. And a, a person I know well who knows more about technological issues and issues of potential technological control, probably than anybody I've ever talked to in the world, more or less fought that to a standstill so that Google didn't get their hands on the port development in Canada. And his primary concern was that what essentially wanted was all the data that would be generated as a consequence of constant monitoring of absolutely everything that went on in the smart city because that data is part of the extended digital self and has tremendous commercial value because if i can track 
you in all your purchases and where you're going and where you are. I can target you for marketing in a way that's been unheard of up, up until now. And so that's a that's a huge can of worms. And then all right. So anyway, um, you can find that on YouTube. Uh, told you, I told you something is coming, and now it's here by Jordan Peterson, 2023. So he's a great orator, and he is a public speaker, and he does have a vast following. He's a pretty smart guy, and I think he believes he's a Christian, so that's kind of cool. All right, praise God. So, um, And I'm going to play one more audio clip and then just read off a bunch of headlines, and then we'll bring on uh, Lauren uh, pretty quick. Because um, you know what? The ice in my squeezy has uh, melted, and uh, that's not allowed here. Yeah, that, that's um, Yeah, that's not allowed. There's two things that are definitely not allowed in the Johnny house. Ice without, or water without ice, and Klaus Schwab. Okay, Bill Gates and Fauci too. Whatever. And oh yeah, yeah, Obama. Wait, the list is getting bigger every moment. I don't know what the, you know. All right, praise God. But I did want you to hear this. This is, um, unfortunately, it he means well, but it ain't gonna work. And this is uh, Ron DeSantis telling everybody how he's going to stop CBDCs in Florida. And uh, I'm sorry, Ron, I really like you and everything, but no, you're not. But anyway, let's listen to what he says. Hold on. There we go. And hopefully it warms up later this week. I know there's a lot of people that are on spring break, so we hope everyone enjoys themselves who have come down here to visit. I'm I'm pleased to be joined by a number of people today for today's announcement. First, Taryn Bragdon. He's the founder and CEO of the Foundation for Government Accountability based in Naples. Uh, John Rothell, Senior Director of Government Affairs for Facted. And here's the thing. When you engage in those types of policies like we've seen over many years, someone is going to have to pay the bill. Uh, ultimately, the bill comes due. And so what they've now done in the last couple of weeks is they printed another $300 billion and injecting that into the economy. Now, the problem with that is they spent the last year trying to take money out of the economy with their raising interest rates, uh, uh, sanctioned centralized bank of digital currency. Uh, Today, uh, I'm here to call on the legislature to pass legislation to expressly forbid the use of CBDC as money within Florida's uniform commercial code. Um. Now, you can't do that. <laughs> from from you know, if you understand how the banking system works in the world, whole wide world, including the banks in Florida, essentially what he means well, but that's like, um, hey man, we're going to break out a bunch of. He might as well have said we're going to break out a whole bunch of really big uh, quarry sized backhoes, and we're going to turn Florida into an island. Okay. Never mind that you can't do business anywhere outside of Florida, and never mind that the banking systems are hardwired into one another and into you know, the International Bank of Settlements and blah 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 blah. You know, no, you can't do it. I'm sorry. I love you, brother. You're a, you mean well, and I get it and everything. Okay, and I get that you were duped early on. Everybody was duped early on, and he said a few things that you probably shouldn't have said, and didn't everybody. But at the end of the day. As much as I like Ron DeSantis, he would have better luck stopping the 15-minute city in Fort Myers than he would um, trying to stop the CBDCs. Unfortunately, that the 
you just can't you can't cut the umbilical cord. Can't do it. Just can't do it. All right, praise God, because all the banks that get cut off will just fail instantly. And then what will Florida be? <laughs> It'll be alligators, rattlesnakes, giant cockroaches, uh, insufferable heat, except for yesterday in 48 degrees. What's that all about? Planet X, Planet X. All right, next one up. Fed hike rates by another quarter percentage point indicates increases are near an end. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You don't know who Janet Yellen is. Yellen is, and you don't remember that even Donald Trump warned us about Janet Yellen in his very first debate, which I played on the last radio show. But anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. A nuclear war with the United States is more likely than ever, Russia warns. Of course, it's never, it's hardly ever is from Putin. It's always one of his, you know, second or third or fourth end of commands that come forward and make the threats, and of course, if they are making the threats under Putin, then Putin's not stopping them, if you know what I mean. So anyway, pay attention. Uh, next one up is from the Jerusalem Post. Medvedev suggests that Russian strike. Uh, <laughs> I love this. I just absolutely adore this. I so wish they would do it. I so wish. I would be cheering. I'd be out, but you know, people would probably like, you know, lock that man up. He's nuts. Uh, which, of course, is not a problem. Um, but anyway, because um, God won't let it happen. I, tr- trust me. <laughs> if the Lord was going to let, let that happen to me, it would have happened already. Praise God. So anyway, um, Medvedev suggests Russia ought to strike the International uh, 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 Criminal Court in, you know, Belgium uh, with a hypersonic missile (laughs) for putting Putin on their little, you know, hit list, you know, following Klaus Schwab's instructions and Obama's and and the Antichrist and all that kind of thing. Um, Hold on a second. What is the matter with this fan? It's getting hot in here. Hold on a second. All right. There we go. All right. So anyway, I just love that article. So praise God. Another one. Uh, another 50 U.S. banks could fail, according to an ex-Lehman Brothers uh, VP. And of course, Lehman Brothers lost $60 billion in their collapse. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that in 20, 2009 and 2010, there was something like to the tune of um, 300 banks have failed. And they got to collapse a lot more than that this time. So it'll be interesting how they pull this off. Even even Alex Jones is speculating. He can't quite figure out what the final, you know, death blow will be. So we'll have to wait and see. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and it could be any one of a bunch of false flags. All right. Um, also, a little headline here, just so you're aware of it. A big chemical cloud is released near a bio lab near, not at the bio lab necessarily, but near uh, any Lu- uh, Louisiana location. Uh, and there was a warning put in place by... Uh, essentially O-H-S-E-P. Uh, I don't know who they are. It doesn't look like – it's definitely not OSHA, but it's probably some of – whatever. And if you know, that's fine. You can send it to me if you want to, but I don't really care. <laughs> okay? It's just one of a whole bunch of agencies that are like, you know, whatever. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Forty African leaders attend the Putin summit. So now what we see is division happening across the world in a colossal – it's colossal. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I've already talked about 25% of the world are brought to death during the fourth seal and who that is comprised of. It's the United States, Israel, um, the European Union, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Um, Who did I forget? I always forget somebody. Oh, well. But anyway, that's all right. it ain't Papa, uh, Papa Al New Guinea. I think they left them out. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. 
war and civil unrest. It could happen at any time if the banks collapse, according to our friend Glenn Beck. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. Next one up. It's not over yet. The Department of Justice is blasted for further setting sights on Trump voters. Yeah. All the while, they're still arresting 1,000 more people uh, for January 6th. Oh, isn't it fun? Praise God when you can distance yourself from all this and just realize that you're just watching God's movie. And you have a duty to pray and love. It's not all that hard if you really mean it with all your heart. Next one up. Character failings. Ron DeSantis finally takes off his gloves to launch a fiery attack on Donald Trump and tells fans to stay tuned for a 2024 bid. Well, this came from The Sun, which I think is out of the U.K., and all I can tell you is it could be true or it could be a lie. We don't know. Uh, But supposedly it was on Pierce Morgan's Uncensored. Now, do I care? I don't care. What I will tell you is if DeSantis runs against Trump, A, he will lose, and B, it will probably divide the Republican Party, which will be exceedingly bad for the Republican Party. Now, all that being said, I find it – my level of doubt is a – it's like an 18 on a scale of 1 to 10. All right, next one up. Thank you, Jesus. The people, the people in the United States that worship Donald Trump, particularly those that believe they're Christians, it's unbelievable, folks. It's really, 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 really unbelievable. They truly worship him. Okay, enough said. All right, next one up. Exploring the crowds that gather for Trump, a dream of civil war. That's the title of an article that is found today in the Washington Post. I believe it was today. Ah, who cares? Okay, uh, on the 21st. Okay, so yesterday. All right, next one up. Breitbart reports the United States Capitol is increasing security in the preparation for reported Trump indictment. Dun, dun, dun. I'm so afraid. Next one up. Ex-CDC chief warns of coming great pandemic worse than COVID. Oh, my gosh. What could it be? Candida? Marlberg? Sears? Sears. It's like Sears and Roebuck. (laughs) Anyway, I couldn't resist. Right, kids? (laughs) Okay. Okay, you, you guys are a little too easy tonight. Praise God. All right, next one up. Wagner Group and uh, warns that the Russian military chief warns the Russian military chief of imminent Ukraine attack. Now, <laughs> okay, so let's be clear. There isn't no such thing as an imminent Ukraine attack. What there is a such thing as is imminent American CIA and paid military mercenaries many of which are from Poland, dressed in Ukraine outfits and looking and pretending to be Ukrainian soldiers using CIA and American satellite technologies and drone technologies to fight back. So we're fighting Russia. I mean, it's a live war. We're faking it. (laughs) Uh, This is like John McCain going and giving millions of dollars to the head of ISIS and getting caught on camera. 
<laughs> it's like unbelievable. All right, whatever. So let's get let's continue. Praise God. Russia says that they may be forced to react if the West, or they will be forced to react if the West starts using weapons with nuclear components. Huh. I wonder what that definition is. It says, I would like to note in this regard that if all this happens, then Russia will be forced to react accordingly. I mean that the collective West is already planning to use weapons with nuclear components. What does that mean? Oh, they're talking about depleted uranium, which, by the way, is already on its way over there. Interesting. Hmm. If West starts, so Russia maybe will be forced to react. But what does that mean, react? Well, you know, what is Medvedev going to stand up on the table and go, "Yeah, I shouldn't have done that, Dagnabbit. I, uh, you know, we're going to do something really, really bad, like uh, launch a hypersonic missile at the ICC. <laughs> you know, enough of the threats. You know, the word is that Russia doesn't threaten. But you know what? Quite frankly, I seem to think that they do because they do. And I'm, I, you know, quite, I would really like to see him do something. Okay, but anyway, whatever. Praise God. I hope one of those hypersonic missiles misses the ICC and hits my house so I can go home. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Federal Reserve announces a July launch of the central bank digital currency infrastructure. Oh, no. Uh, uh, Ron DeSantis is running through the streets, heading directly for them. He's going to put a stop to it. Oh, boy. Vote him in for president. No, no, vote for Trump. No, vote for him. Vote for, vote for Trump. No, uh, Hillary Clinton. No, Obama. Uh, oh, my gosh. No, how about Michael Obama? Yeah, let's get a transvestite in the presidency for crying out loud. Next one up. 39% of Americans can't sleep. Okay. Right on, baby. You're good. Yeah. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. All right, and of course they've got. Uh, I already told you about the tree, the uh, mind control 5G tree slaughter in the areas of the world. Many of them, many of them, which are now being converted into digital cities. Now, I have one more audio bite that I want to play, play for you because I hope that you take this to heart. I believe this young woman is correct. I know a little bit about uh, contract law. I believe she's correct, and I think this is absolutely brilliant. And let's listen to this because. My recommendation is do what she says. Here it is. All right. Okay, so when the big banks finally go down or when your bank goes down, you people need to be looking for this. And when they come back up, this is months ago, I told you folks you should be studying contract law because if your bank switches currency, that is voiding your mortgage contracts. I told you to study contract law. If you don't understand that statement, I can't do it for you. If you want to be free, you must learn how to take responsibility for your freedom. So let's paint a scenario here. Your bank goes down on a Friday. Monday they come up and you have digits in your account again. I would assume that is a CBDC, that is not fiat currency. When your mortgage becomes due, make sure you have cash on hand. You take cash directly to your bank, and you attempt to make your payment with the cash. If they refuse it, they just voided your mortgage. Okay, and I could expand on that a little bit more, 
But nonetheless, if you do not know how to stand on this according to contract law, it's not going to do you any good anyways. So make sure you have a copy of your mortgages and you're reading through your contracts and you're looking up the definitions, like I told you folks before, because your mortgage contracts were created in this system of fiat currency. And if the banks switch their currency, that is breach of contract because there's no way that a, that a, a fiat currency is going to transition to a CBDC for the same amount of value. And they have to prove that it's, that it's the same currency. If they're telling you that it's the same currency, then why wouldn't they accept your cash? That's a whole other issue, though. So if you're not prepared for a banking collapse now, what do you do? What do you do? We're all poor, right? We haven't been able to go out and buy land and get the things that we need to prepare. So this is what I mean by I believe God is using the cryptocurrency as a stepping stone for his people to get his people out. And I know that folks feel like, well, I don't want to buy into the system. The, the, the digital currency system is already here, okay? You not participate. Okay, so anyway, um, so let me be clear about something. There are an awful lot of Christians, and I mean an awful lot of Christians, that think that um, you know stuff like Bitcoin and stuff is going to get them out of hot water. And I'm here to tell you, it's not, okay? Believe me. These reptilian entities, they've already figured that out. There are hundreds of exits ahead of us, and I'm telling you, nothing is safe. You know, So at the end of the day, this notion that this young lady has about crypto stuff, forget it. It's not going to save anybody. As a matter of fact, they'll crash the crypto market just as fast as anything. So at the end of the day, that's not the answer. But what she said in regard to having enough cash on hand to go over to your bank and attempt to pay it, it being a breach of contract – you know, um, just make sure, make sure that when you go in there that you're running your phone video. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? If you take your cash in there in a bag and you, you know, put it in a wall safe, I, I highly recommend getting yourself a wall safe and putting it behind a picture because you'd be surprised how few people look there. And you can set up a decoy safe uh, in another part of your house. A decoy safe is one that you would drill into the bottom of a desk or something like that. Um, they're cheap. You know, you can get them for like anywhere from 50 to 125 bucks or whatever. I don't know. They might have gone up in price. But my point is this. A dec- that's a decoy safe. And you can put other stuff that's important in there. Okay, that's fine. But the really important safe needs to go, be, you know, needs to be a wall safe that's hidden behind a picture because once they find the decoy safe, nobody's going to be looking for the wall safe. All right. I know. I, I, I think of things. I think, so I'm just letting you know. But you need to have enough cash, which, thank you, Jesus, I do, uh, hidden in that wall safe, you know, uh, and you need to, um, you know, do what this young lady says. But here's the thing. You're going to need video evidence. Now, I can tell you this. Do not take a sound recorder. Do not take a sound recorder. If you take a sound recorder, you will be found guilty of the United States Wiretap Act of 1934, and they will throw you in jail before you have a a chance to push back and get your mortgage contract voided. Okay, if your mortgage contract is voided by a lawyer while all this CBDC stuff is starting to happen, and you're able to show a video uh, of them rejecting the cash – with your phone, video video and audio together is not banned by any laws. That's why, you know, the Project Veritas people and all that kind of stuff can do the kind of things that they can do and get away with it because they're using video. 
Video and audio together, e.g. multimedia, is not banned by the law. But if you take in a little sound recorder in your pocket and you're recording only the sound of the transaction and what the person is saying, you were guilty of the 1934 Wiretap Act. And you know what? You might as well not even have bothered because they're going to find a way to mess up your life real bad, real fast. All right. So I believe that her advice as somebody who is knows quite a bit about such things um, is correct. I believe it's absolutely correct, and I am prepared to do that. And um, that is if they don't figure out a way to get me out of the house <laughs> before them. And then I'll, you know, you know, I mean, I can actually do a blog talk radio show from a working Internet-enabled cell phone as I walk the street hunting for hobo sandwiches. But, um, yeah, but how do I keep my phone running, right? All right, well, anyway, praise God. Um, you know, of course, there's the Charlie Frost thing and the RV thing. I don't know. But anyway, let's go ahead and bring on Brother Peterson. Praise Jesus, and thank you for your uh, patience. We have until 10 o'clock anyway, so plenty of time. Thank you for uh, really the same as before. Uh, the, I just have so much apocalyptic news I have to get out. Uh, unfortunately, um, I've got to do like three-hour shows again, which is very hard on me, uh, but I'm surviving, <laughs> barely. <laughs> Praise God. So let's bring on Brother Lauren Peterson. Hallelujah. Here we go. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, something strange is going on, and I don't understand it. So let me see what could be going. Okay, good. Uh, something weird happened with my, my browser, and it and the radio program studio was not updated. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. It says I have more than three hours and 43 minutes. And I'm like going, no. And anyway, so I thank goodness that was uh, a glitch. Um, probably have a lot of those coming up. But anyway, let's go ahead and bring on Brother Lauren Peterson. Praise Jesus. Here we go. Brother Lauren, are you there? I think so. Or is it Memorex? You know, <laughs> when you're on the program, I'm never really sure if it is yeah. either. <laughs> I know. It's kind yeah. of like because you could you could be in some sort of time warp, you know. <laughs> I, think, I think so. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn on my <laughs> yeah yeah. I'm, I think I'm going to turn on my time warp detection system here. Peter said, "You look like you're in a time warp." <laughs> anyway, so much for that. Yeah, time warp, time bubbles. <laughs> I know. Happy it's, bubble. It's the uh, what is that? The Philadelphia experiment. You're stuck. You're That's stuck right. I'm in stuck. The ball yeah. I know. That's right. Yeah. It's fascinating how many people re- they think it's a movie. You know. Yeah, they think they think that whole thing was a movie, and it wasn't. That actually happened. But, yeah. You know. Oh well. So, well, as usual, um, yeah. you touched on a lot of a lot of topics that um, got my head spinning. So. I got two screens full of scriptures and stuff to talk about. <laughs> two screens full. That means I have two computers running. <laughs> okay. 
case, that was a lot of stuff. So, um, well, go for it. I'm sure one of them is probably a 386 from like 20 or, or from like 19. <laughs> uh, wait, wait a minute. When would that have been? Huh? A 386 would take us back to 1985-ish. <laughs> Right. So yeah, I have go for it, Peterson, with your creep. I have yeah. XTs from XTs uh, yeah. all the way up to modern stuff. Yeah. So anybody uh, needs no doubt. Out I'm there, sure just let me know. Amber Hercules <laughs> monitors and all kind of stuff that the yep. Smithsonian's been bugging you to give them for the last ten years. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> go They'll for it. In their basement. You crazy early adopter, you. That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, okay. well take so, it away. Um, well, you mentioned uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier was, um, you know, somebody tries to bring something up and then it disappears, right? Somebody's going to sue somebody. You know, the good guys are, are going to sue the bad guys, right? And then you never hear about it again. So that triggered a memory of Scripture. And, th- and I'm going to read a, a, a verse, and it's not the only application of this verse, but it, it what you said brought this verse to mind. This is Revelation 12, verse 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. Water out of his mouth like a flood. So the bad guys are just going to flood. <laughs> you know, this one attorney or a group of attorneys have a good case and they want to bring it to the to the light of day and prosecute the bad guys. But the bad guys, you know, their buddies are going to flood the situation until nobody even remembers what it is anymore. And the the good guys that brought the case, um, they get flooded out. So it's like Glenn Beck saying, and nothing ever happens, you know. The evidence is plain as can be for the whole world to see, but nothing ever happens to the bad guys. <laughs> they just get promoted and continue on their merry way, right? So, again, that's not the only application of that verse, but it's just that what you said brought that to memory. So the enemy spews waters like a massive flood. Um, and so we also see that in the news cycle. So the tr- truly important um, news items may not get covered because they're flooded out by other less worthy news items, or if something does rise to the surface that's truly important, they flood that news cycle, that uh, that news item, with stuff that either doesn't matter or it's like strip it down. Where <laughs> in the public's uh, mind, it's not, well, it's not that bad, is it? You know, or maybe. He is a bad guy after all. You know, they they turn the tables and twist things around and a lot of stuff. So it's like a flood. And that's what we're seeing in the world today is the serpent spewing water out of his mouth like a flood. And all his mouthpieces, the media, okay, all the media, um, not all of them, of course, but the ones that are bought and paid and owned by the serpent and their serpent seeds. Okay, so that's one thing. Let's see, in Matthew, I was touching on something you said earlier about forgiving people. This is Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. Then Peter came to him, that's Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? 
up to seven times. And I'll, I'll get to something else uh, up to seven times, uh, what that's referring to. And then in verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. <laughs> it's like, after that, who's counting anymore, right? <laughs> um, um, you'd have to be an extreme, you know, um, bean counter type to, okay, 70 times seven. Now, 70 times seven plus one, I don't have to forgive you anymore, okay? Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owned him 10,000 talents. But he, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. How would you like to get sold out with your family and all your possessions? Sell you out, right, to get payment. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before the master, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. See, not just released him to go back, okay, you can, I'll give you extra time to pay me back and pay me off. I'll give you that extra time. The master forgave him 10,000 talents. That's a big chunk of change, folks. The master completely forgave the debt. This isn't just giving you extra time to work it out. Just wipe it off the books. You're free. Okay. My goodness. Verse 28, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, I ask you folks, somebody sitting and rotting in prison, how in the world can they pay off a debt if they're in prison, right? <laughs> they're going to be there till they're dead, okay? Verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you, forgave you all that debt. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So the master then, because of what this servant did, this evil, wicked servant, the master reneged on his forgiveness of the debt and delivered the servant to the torturers until the servant could pay all that was due to the master. So it's now payment in full, but not payment in full with compassion or I'll give you extra time. It's payment in full under the duress of torturers. Verse 35, so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive 
his brother his trespasses. Scripture, what more can be added, right? That's from the mouth of Jesus. And Jesus, you read through the gospel accounts, the tough sayings of Jesus. They're tough because they run contrary to the natural man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the natural way of doing things run contrary. Jesus had a way with words, had a way with his stories. They cut right to the chase, cut right to the heart of things. But there it is, folks. Chew on that for a while. And me too. I raise my hand. I've had bad things happen to me by some people, right? And this brings it back into focus. And okay, I have to forgive them. Just like John was telling us earlier in the show, it, it's not an easy process. And sometimes it's like later in the scriptures it says we are to work out our salvation. So part of that part of that working out our salvation is getting a grip on this enigma of unforgiveness. And so it can be some people can forgive like water off a duck's back. Other people can stew and stew and stew for years and years and years and after all that time, it's stealing their life away. Just not here, even in the natural realm, is stealing their life away by them stewing on that stuff and never being able to let it go. But to let it go, in some cases, requires a deliverance from Jesus. That means we have to cry out to him, maybe multiple times, to cry out to him to finally gain that victory where we can get that Titanic turned around and get the anchors, the Titanic dropping an anchor down the ocean keeps us chained to that point, is to cut off those chains of that anchor so the ship can sail free once again, right? <clears throat> and sail in the correct direction of unforgiveness. And then, like John was saying, then we need to bring that further back around to even pray for those who have done us harm, who have done us evil then we are truly delivered from that and from the memories and the heart heartache and pain. And then go on from there. So pray for those. It can be a process. So if you fail once in a while, don't beat yourself up, but get back on your knees in prayer and, and uh, confess it as sin and continue to ask Jesus for victory to conquer that thing that's holding you back so it doesn't eat your lunch for the rest of your life because Jesus has bigger better things for you to do than to spend the rest of your life in unforgiveness and if you do spend the rest of your life in unforgiveness well this story that he told comes into play <laughs> at the very end there verse 34 and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers we don't want to be delivered to the torturers, okay, folks. Okay. <clears throat> now, um, hey, hey, before you continue yeah. on, you bet. I just want to add because <clears throat> a lot of people have a hard time choking this down. My sister tried to. <laughs> I'm not even go there. Uh, I, I'll have to get a spleen. I'm mean, a French uh, French shrimp yeah. fork and whip rip out my spleen. That's but right. anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let me just add to that. 
because this sometimes you need to just have your hand put right on the fire. Okay, so go yeah. turn turn with me to Matthew six verse fifteen, shall we? And let's take a look at that one because that one is so in your face. Uh, when I showed my sister it, she was like. Well, let's see about this. I've got to figure out the context, because obviously your understanding is incorrect. You know, and I'm like going, yeah, yeah, sure, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, we'll turn. Oh, come on. I don't want to use the doggone oh, blue standard whoop-de-doo Bible. I want to use mine. But anyway, Matthew 6.15 says, um, uh, it says, simply put, but if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. All right, let me put that clear. If you fail to forgive anybody, God won't forgive you. If God doesn't forgive you, where are you going? To hell. This is so important, folks. And you know what? The remedy is so straightforward. Just put them at the top of your prayer list. You might say, no way, man, that ain't going to work for me. I can tell you, it works. I am, I promise you, it works. All right? Praise God. So Matthew 6.15, get it, grab it, memorize it, and don't forget it. It's a big one. It's a real big one. As a matter of fact, that is one of the few sins that God will not forgive you for if you do not forgive the people that hurt you. Very important. And that 615, Matthew 615, is as in your face as it can possibly be. Okay? God will not forgive you. And if he doesn't forgive you, you're not going to heaven. Okay. Anyway, I had to inject that one because while all the other scriptures that you used are absolutely wonderful and fabulous and highly supportive of, of that, the one that you know, takes an ice pick and sticks it right between your eyes is Matthew six fifteen, And that's the one I showed my sister. And she was like, all her feathers were all ruffled. And she's like, because she's like one of those people like, well, Jesus loves us so much. He would never do that. And I'm like going, read your Bible again. And you know what? She's one of those people that sits there and reads your Bible in the morning, in the evening. And I'm like, what are you reading? <laughs> You're missing so much. But anyway, yeah. um, back yeah. to you, brother. Yeah. Um, so that's like a double confirmation. That's both both those um, stretches of Scripture in the book of Matthew, right? So Jesus said it at one point, then he uh, explains, explains it in a story in um, Matthew 18. So um, now when he makes reference to, or let's see, when he makes reference, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Okay, that's what Jesus said in response to Peter. Peter saying up to seven times, question mark. Okay, so I was reading through uh, Genesis um, this past week, and I couldn't believe what I was reading. And, and maybe some of you have read this also. Um, let's see where I can... Um, Okay, this is where Cain slew Abel. This is Genesis chapter 4. And 
uh, verse 13, And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Verse 15, And the Lord said to, to him, Cain, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the, there's a sevenfold right there. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. In other words, put a mark on Cain, meaning hands off. You know, uh, No matter what he did here, hands off, you don't get to kill him. Uh, continuing on, then, we go down to um, verse 23, where which is then Lamech said to his wives, um, there's a progression of who begat who here, and then we get down to Lamech. Verse 23, said to his wives, uh, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. There's your, <laughs> there it is right there. So when Jesus is saying, um, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. He's making reference back to Genesis chapter four. How many times do we keep track of how many times somebody or somebody's have offended or wounded or violated us? Okay. And so in Genesis chapter four, it's in that of uh, taking vengeance. And here Jesus is saying, not taking vengeance, but um, forgiving someone, okay, to the point where you don't even remember how many times you've forgiven uh, anymore. Because you know who's, except for extreme bean counter that really has a um, axe to grind. And if if they're that bad off, then like John said, what Scripture said, what Jesus said, you're not gaining entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Um, because, you know, in light of the angel wars, God's been dealing with this problem ever since Lucifer rebelled, right, with this problem. And he's not going to deal with it again in his eternal kingdom. He's not going to allow anybody to enter into that area that's undefiled to defile it again or further defile it. Uh, it's not going to happen. Okay, so I thought that was an interesting tie-in, that Jesus makes direct reference back to Genesis chapter 4 with this enigma called Cain and his lineage. Remember, Cain killed Abel, the first murder recorded in human history. Okay, so in talking about, you're right about uh, DeSantis um, in his reference to um, banning the CBCDs or whatever, uh, cryptocurrency uh, banking system. Okay, well, Florida would basically have to come out with their own Florida Reserve Note, fully backed by gold, in order to pull that off. Because uh, cryptos is just another Ponzi Ponzi scheme. So this lady who or these people who believe in switching over to crypto, well, what are you going to do when the internet collapses? And you can't access 
your crypto accounts. You can't access your bank accounts. You can't access nothing unless on the Great Reset you sell your soul to Satan, you know, and then you gain access back to your cryptos. But if you're a Christian or claim to be one, and you want access back to your funds so you can continue to live your Christian life, but requires the, the mark to gain access back to your currency, um, you're going to do that? Okay. Like, like John said uh, earlier tonight, that the enemy is so many, a hundred or more exits ahead of the rest of us in figuring all this stuff out. So if the crypto market is just another Ponzi scheme foisted on top of the credit default slop, slop, yeah, credit default slops, swaps, what's the difference, right? And the derivatives. So when Silicon Valley Bank went down, it ex, they went down because of exposure to cryptos. And then we remember late last year of FTX going belly up because of fraud, okay? And that's just <laughs> was the beginning of FTX going down, exposing the whole market to collapse, which was what we're seeing. But so many banks, a lot of these small banks, regional banks, even the big players, the four big players here in the United States are all involved in cryptos and credit default swaps and derivatives it's a gamble gamble upon the gamble upon the gamble upon the gamble that in the end there isn't enough wealth on the entire planet to pay it all it's such a level of debt that there's absolutely no way ever to pay it all off and you know what folks that was the end game to begin with to rack up the debt to such horrendous levels that it could never be paid off until the whole system collapses. That's the objective, to bring it all down so that the <clears throat> new Atlantis can be brought forth. The beast kingdom, this <clears throat> is all digital world and economy and everything. So <clears throat> the framers of the Constitution understood some things about currency proper currency. They had seen in European history and directly themselves about fiat currency, the, the evils, the pitfalls of fiat currency, and that's what the Federal Reserve System, even if we ha didn't have any uh, credit default swaps, we had no derivatives, we had no cryptos, all we had was the Federal Reserve System. It is the mother of all Ponzi schemes, folks. The mother of all Ponzi schemes is the Federal Reserve System. And if that's all that was at play, it would still bring everything that's connected with it down because that was the objective in 1913 in the run-up. Those who conspired to foist, to give birth to the Federal Reserve System knew what the outcome would be. Over 100 years into the future, they knew that whether once the United States came on board, the only way to... See, the only way you can keep the system going is by digging the hole deeper, wider, and faster. The velocity of money, okay? Faster, faster, faster. It operates the same way as a black hole operates. And once the black hole runs out of stuff to consume, it then implodes upon itself. 
Fed Reserve. Same thing with cryptos. Any kind of uh, derivatives, etc., any kind of Ponzi scheme, Ponzi-built scheme, once it runs out of matter, it's doomed to implode upon itself. And that's what we're seeing. Uh, the, the, the interesting uh, slash sad thing, though, is with so many nations of the world now dumping the U.S. dollar, the dollars would be flooding back into the United States. So, so with a liquidity crisis happening here in the nation due to the rise of the interest rates, well, problem solved if you allow the dollars that are flooding back into the United States to fund these various things, you know, to recapitalize the banks, recapitalize the government, you know. Let's do some construction, constructive things with all this money flooding back in the United States. But you know what? That's not the goal here. The goal is to collapse the system, to collapse everything. And so you could have your um, argument like that lady about your your uh, contract, okay, <laughs> go to the bank and try to pay with Federal Reserve notes. Um, fine and dandy, but, you know, by that time the government will have declared Federal Reserve notes as being illegal, unlawful, and if you so much as fly one in the wind, you're going to prison. Okay. The same thing that happened in 1933. Not if you're quick enough. I disagree with you. (laughs) Not if you're quick enough. Nope. Not if you're. Okay. So inside of your contracted states, inside your mortgage papers, look at them. Nobody does. They're probably about three quarters of an inch thick. But it states how you can pay for your mortgage. Yeah. The second that that changes. As long yeah. you know, you can say what you're saying, and you're you're right. It's a matter of speed. Yeah. She wasn't saying wait a week. She wasn't saying wait two days. She was saying get your hiney cheek over there immediately and lay the cash on the table and say I'm here to pay my loan and to record it because at the second that you do that and they say no, breach of contract. Once you breach that contract, once that paper's breached and you have it on record. Now here's the, where the problem comes in. You're gonna have to find a lawyer because they're still gonna try to take your house away. But that that's why I said you need to record it on video. But she is correct. Just look at what it says in your mortgage contract, and the second that they tell you that you're, they're not going to accept cash for payment, then guess what? It is absolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt. It is, in fact, a breach of contract, and that means if they're in breach of contract, that house belongs to you. Okay. Now, enforcing yeah. that could be a whole other nightmare, but that's why I, yep. I said if you're going to do that, which I have every – I'm, I'm going to do it. And, um, and, uh, and uh, you know, if it comes to that, I'm definitely going to do it. The tricky part is you've got to move like lightning. I mean, boy, do you got to move fast. you got to walk in, camera rolling, slap down the money, get them say no, got it on film, and hightail it out of that bank with your cash in your hand and go straight to a lawyer's office, hand that cash to the lawyer, and say, here's your retainer. These guys didn't accept my uh, payment for my mortgage. This is breach of mortgage contract. And if that lawyer takes it and he takes your 1250 bucks or your $1,300 for a retainer payment, 
It is actually, as long as he moves quickly, he can get you out. of. You'll own the house. You will own the house. That's a fact. And she's right. Okay, that's just, it is a breach of contract. And you breach that dagnabbit contract, my goodness gracious, guess what? That house is yours. Locked, stock, everything, yours. But the problem is you've got to move very quick. Don't be like going, I don't know, honey. You think we should go over there and try to pair a contract with cash? I don't know. Lauren Peterson said uh, that uh, it won't make any difference, so maybe we should just hang out here and eat beanie weenies. No, I'm telling you, get your hiney cheek over there and lay the gas down on it and film it. Okay, at least then you have a shot. <laughs> right? But anyway, um, but to your point, you're right. But that's only on the assumption that, A, you can't, you're not moving fast enough. B, you didn't or were unable to record the transaction for proof, and C, you can't find a lawyer to, to, to close the deal for you. And, and that's, those are things that she left out, and those are very critical items that are, you know, they're, they're game changers yeah. if you can't execute yeah. on them fast enough. Right. So. Yeah, and I, I would uh, advise that if, if a person is a go, going to go down that road, that take that path, is to line up an attorney beforehand who is on board what you're talking about. Don't don't wait until after the fact. Get that attorney lined up you, you now, can, ahead of time. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So let me help you out with that, Lauren. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The one thing one thing is the difference between you're as smart as a tech, but I will tell you this. You're missing you're you're missing a point. Okay, so how do you go and do that? Well the answer is you can't. It's called a retainer. And a retainer cost mun mun. Big mun mun. And retainers, by the way, they're not one time payments. So you don't walk into an attorney's office and say, how do you feel about central bank digital currency? Do you think it's a bad thing to happen? Oh, yes, I do. I think it's terrible. The central bank is just evil as can be. I mean, the whole thing that happened in the Federal Reserve and, uh, oh, and, you know, and you're, like, you're totally agreeing. You're hugging and kissing each other. And you're like, man, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian, too. Well, let's go ahead and dance in the streets. And at the end of the day, when you say, I would like to retain your services, I would like you to help me do this when the, when the CBDCs go into effect, and that lawyer is going to look right at you and say, okay, well, our retainer fees are um, $5,000 a month. Um, so for the next, you know, you know, you'll need to pay at least 5000 up front to start the retainer process in place. Now, how do I know about this? Because I work in cybersecurity. And every single thing that you do that has anything to do with a lawyer, it's like an insurance payment. Your insurance, you don't get to go and write a check to your insurance company and say, hey, man, would you like to go ahead and insure my house? And they say, absolutely. Um, well, how much would that cost? Um, okay. And then you write them out a check or you hand them the cash or whatever you do. And guess what? Then they come right back to you and they hand out, they hold out their money and they say, wait a minute, where's your next payment? Because retainers are not one-time payments. They're not handshakes. Lawyers do not stay ready to serve you unless you're going to grease their hands. I don't even care if it's a Christian lawyer. Unless you are willing to pay their retainer fees continuously 
until the event occurs, that lawyer ain't going to pay you a lick of difference. And besides, when that CBDC goes in place and they discovered that they just lost the $500,000 that they built off of all their clients in the last five years, the last thing they're going to be worried about is whether or not your mortgage got paid. So anyway, it's going to be a nightmare. And, you know, I don't even know if it's possible. I mean, her heart's in the right place. She definitely understands contract law. But at the end of the day, to your point, Lauren, you know, and you, yeah, you, your heart's in the right place, but the lawyers ain't going to do it. They just won't. They got to have retainers. They want to be paid. If you want them to be at the ready, which means that they have to drop everything and come help you, you pay. You pay for that, and you pay for it just like you do homeowner's insurance every single time it's due. All right, so I needed to clear that clear That's that right. up. Let's be perfectly clear. They're not so going to sit there and go do down that for you. If you're going to yeah. go down that route, whether you line up an attorney before or after the fact, you're going to have to have a hundred grand in your safe at home, <laughs> something like that, some huge amount of money. Because, like you said, John, lawyers don't work for free. <laughs> yeah, it's just reta- it's just retainer law. It's it, it's just how it yeah. works. It, yep. it goes with anybody. It goes with That's anybody. Right, yeah. If let's say I open yep. a business. If I let, I open up a business I'm, and I and I sell cybersecurity services for ten companies, and I'm doing real good and everything, and part of my cybersecurity service is if they have an emergency, I I promise them that I will respond in within two hours. Okay, maybe that's part of my service package, right? Well, they gotta pay, you know, their annuity based contract fees. In other words, if, if they pay monthly, they got to pay monthly. If they pay yearly, they got to pay yearly. Now, if they pay yearly and I don't show up in that two hours, I'm going out of business. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just how yeah. it works. Yep. That's right. Yep. All right. So let's see. I'm going to read something. Okay, I I wrote this uh, back in 2019 in response to an article. So I'll read it, and anything you write in the past, when you go over it in current time, there's maybe areas you'd tweak, you know, change this, change that, or whatever tweak. But I'll read what I got here. It gets into the Angel Wars situation here. At the moment Lucifer turned away from God and went his own way, he cut himself off from his unity with the Godhead. For an untold amount of time previous to this, he had enjoyed a one-on-one personal audience with the Most High, the Firstborn and Only Begotten, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. While in the presence of the Godhead, Lucifer, being first created of all created beings thereafter, witnessed all subsequent acts of creation by the Godhead. Lucifer heard the sacred words spoken forth in which living beings and living things were created from out of nothing. He witnessed cause and effect. This was all the original creation involving multiple universes, multiple dimensions, multiple heavens, and a smorgasbord of life forms created to inhabit within each realm. All of creation was pristine and in unity with the light, light, life, love, and law of the Godhead. At the moment Lucifer went his own way, he introduced into creation the original point of deviation, 
from God's light, life, love, and law. That point of deviation became the singularity of which scientists today claim was the source point of the Big Bang. Whereas scientists beholden to the theory of evolution claim that the Big Bang was the source of all that exists, God's word clearly reveals that his original creation preceded the Big Bang, whereas the Big Bang was the consequence of the Luciferian Rebellion and Angel Wars drawing in up to one-third of creation in what would become the mother of all black holes, wherein we reside. Lucifer's Big Bang sent shockwaves throughout much of creation, unleashing a destructive rift that sliced across universes, dimensions, and heavens, and the life forms therein. This fallen one-third of creation was phase-shifted from its original physics and mathematics into becoming something that had never existed before, a sort of shadow realm or anti-realm, having form but denying the power thereof. In a bold move of restoration and redemption, God and his holy angels sandboxed this fallen one-third of creation so that the contagion of rebellion, chaos, death, and destruction could not expand any further than what it had already. The six days of creation are more accurately the six day ages of restoration of the fallen one-third, wherein God passed judgments against the various offenders, drew his order out of Lucifer's disorder and chaos, formed and created new life forms to replace the ones that had been wiped out due to the war, and brought forth his direct seed line to have dominion over all the earth, and eventually beyond to the many other worlds caught behind enemy lines. Lucifer and his minions have since fought fervently and savagely against God's plan of restoration and redemption as their angel wars has continued on into our time, even into the time yet to come in fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Lucifer and his fallen ones likewise have brought forth new life forms within this fallen one-third. Remembering the sacred words spoken forth during the original creation, Lucifer has spoken them forth within this fallen realm in an effort to create, but with limited results, as such beings and things have fallen far short of what was intended due to him no longer having access to the breath of life necessary for living souls and living things, resulting instead in animated dead things and dead souls. In addition, since DNA are the building blocks of life, they are like putting together Legos in new forms and new functions, but still lacking the breath of life, in some cases lacking any soul whatsoever. The war took its casualties within Lucifer's armies. One of his objectives then has been to reconstitute those life forms that were instrumental in his war, one of which was Rahab, who as who was a key general in Lucifer's army, who was cut to pieces by God himself. There are some fallen beings that can be fought with earthly weapons, and there are others that cannot, but with only spiritual weapons. And then there are others that only God himself can slay with his sword. So Lucifer strongly desires to reconstitute Rahab, as well as a host of other fallen ones, 
as well as to recruit as many of God's direct seed line as possible into his army. In his billions of years war against the Godhead and the unfallen two-thirds. There's much more to this story, of course, and it can all be found in the Bible as well as other texts. The importance of knowing this information is so we can know who our enemy is, how they operate, and what their plans are. As we of God's direct seed line were meant to have dominion, that dominion also included over Lucifer and all under his command and control. God told Moses and the Israelites to go in and possess the land, which equated to warring against the existing inhabitants who were of the seed lines of the fallen ones. We are not to live in peaceful coexistence with the enemy, but to go in, war against, and have victory over. For those of God's direct seed line, Jesus is literally our elder brother. As kinsman redeemer, he is the only one who could have had his blood shed for our sins. No other being could have done so. Okay, so that's got a lot of stuff in it right there. Um, Okay, this past week I've been, let's see, what else I got pulled up here. I'm just going to start reading uh, scriptures. Some of these scriptures, um, John, you covered in when you did the piece recently in the, um, what was it, the Three Days of Darkness, I think it was. You deep dived into some scriptures. So some of these might be along that lines or some that you, you quoted. Okay, so I'm reading the, these various scriptures leading up to Um, Some other uh, things here. So Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 5. Blow the trumpet in the land, cry, gather together, and say, assemble yourselves, and let us go into the fortified cities. Set up the standard toward Zion. Take refuge. Do not delay. For I, as God speaking, will bring disaster from the north and great destruction. Verse 7. The lion has come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of nations is on his way. He has gone forth from his place to make your land desolate. Your cities will be laid waste without inhabitant. For this, clothe yourself with sackcloth, lament, and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. Okay, Isaiah 13. Lift up a banner on the high mountain. Raise your voice to them. Wave your hand that they may enter the gates of the nobles. God speaking, I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger, those who rejoice in my exaltation. The noise of the multitude in the mountains, like that of many people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms and nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts musters the army for battle. They come from a far country, from the end of the Shamayin, that's the end of the heavens. The Lord and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. Wail, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore all hands will be limp. Every man's heart will melt, and they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. 
Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for the iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. It shall be as a hunted gazelle and as a sheep that no man takes up. Every man will turn to his own people and everyone will flee to his own land. Everyone who is found will be thrust through and everyone who is captured will fall by the sword. Their children also will be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be plundered and their wives ravished. Okay, so it continues on after that. But... <clears throat> Uh, Joel chapter 2. Blow the trumpet of Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been. Nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the garden Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like swift steeds so they run. With a noise like chariots, over mountaintops they leap like the noise of a flaming fire that devours a stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. Before them the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Revelation 9, the fifth trumpet, the locust from the bottomless pit. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. <clears throat> to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. 
And we know from verse uh, chapter 7, who has the seal of God in their foreheads? That's 144,000. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment That's those who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. These locust creatures were not given authority to kill them, but to uh, torment those who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, that means it hurts like, you know what, and there's no salve or potion you can take or put on on yourself to alleviate yourself of that pain. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. <clears throat> on their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek, Greek he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past, behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Uh, one thing, to, there's many things uh, in God's word, of course, to take note of, but one thing that comes to mind right here is their power was to hurt men five months. Five months, um, could that be as in payback <laughs> uh, to the ungodly? See, the, these ungodly locusts are being released and they're stinging the ungodly, those who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. They're stinging those people for five months. Is that in uh, like a vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, type of thing for the fifth seal? If you go back to the fifth seal in Revelation chapter 6. Okay. <clears throat> that the ungodly are the ones who put the godly uh, there in the fifth seal that we read about in the fifth seal. Now it's payback, okay? <laughs> payback is such a you-know-what that there's no salve, no potion, no getting around this sting that they'll desire to die. And, and they it can take a 50 cal to their head and won't, they'll still won't end up dead. So what kind of mankind will face the earth at that time? They could take a 50 cow to their head, and what are, what happens? Do they regrow it? Okay. Uh, what kind of biotechnology humanity 2.0 will exist by then? Well, for that answer, we deep dive into the deep underground military labs and government corporate labs to find out what they've been dorking around with, with DNA, you know, chimeras, this, that, and other thing, mixing and matching, and... Uh, as in the days of Noah come to mind, um, what they were doing back then, coming with all kinds of combinations, um, dorking around with DNA. 
So we're doing that again, and um, you know, <laughs> probably much more so to the point where mankind 2.0, again, you can take a 50 cow to their head, you know, <laughs> can grow a new one, rip their arms out of its socket, just grow a new one, you know, kind of thing. Whatever, whatever it is, that they'll desire to die, but death will flee from them. So um, let your imagination go with that, along with what we know, <laughs> and then imagine what we don't know at the level of tech, biotechnology that they have achieved in these deep underground labs that they here and there are bringing to the surface, to the forefront, and probably will be as a, included and or as a consequence of the Great Reset, that if you want to join the Great Reset, then take this this pill, this potion, this, you know, um, Solution, and uh, you'll be a member of Humanity 2.0. And uh, <clears throat> they probably have already figured out how how to do those things. That any one of us could uh, grow a limb back, grow our hair back, <laughs> you know, uh, grow our youth back, uh, regenerate our bodies back to when we we're 20s, 30s, that kind of youthful ability, and never lose it. You know, um, all these. The fountain of youth, in other words, the fountain of youth and regeneration, the, uh, what is it called, the um, Pegasus Project, what, maybe that's, oh, no, Osiris Project, Osiris was it, where uh, Osiris was born again, so to speak, okay, so they're going to release that technology for those who uh, take the mark, so to speak, they're going to, you you can uh, be a partaker of the Osiris Project, the benefits of Osiris, okay. Uh, humanity 2.0. Seek death, but it'll flee from you. You'll never have to die again. Never have to grow old again. Have your arms ripped off, your head ripped off. Just grow a new one. Okay, that kind of thing. So, um, blending into the sixth trumpet, verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet. Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So, to this day, folks, from very, very ancient times, probably going all the way back to um, the Angel Wars situation, there are four angels that are bound at this great river Euphrates. And they've been bound time such as this when they're released. And that's what it says in verse 15. So the four angels who have been prepared for the hour and day and month and year, these four fallen angels, were released to kill a third of mankind. Another understanding is if you go into um, Revelation chapter 8, which is the beginning of the seventh seal, uh, those first four angels... Um, each one results in a third that are killed. A third of this, third of that, third of the other thing. Okay, a third. A third, third, third. It's reflective of the third of the angelics that fell with Lucifer. Okay, it's drawing a connection there. There's a lot of details to flesh out yet on that connection, but there's a connection there. Verse 16, now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. Thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. 
By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents, having heads, and with them they do harm. Okay, so one question mark that came to my mind in reading this. Okay, so these, um, you've got horsemen, and obviously they would not be horsemen unless they were riding horses. Okay, so are these real deal horses? Possibly <laughs> horses that we're all familiar with, or could they be, going back to verse 7 with these locusts, the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. Is that what these horsemen are riding upon, are these locusts? Okay, it's just a question. I don't know. Okay, so are these horses in the sixth trumpet art kind of horses, or is this reflecting back to verse 7, these locusts that are like horses, these horsemen riding these locusts? <laughs> That'd be like a double whammy, you know, okay? So that's, now I want to read something <clears throat> of somebody who was given a dream of vision. This is recorded by on, uh, Steve Quayle's website. It goes back to 2000, July 25th, 2016, entitled Locust Machine Creature Invasion. So you can go in his archives. I have no idea if he goes back that far. But he was faithful to record this from someone who submitted it to him. So I'll read, read it. Recently, I had a dream of the creature invasion. It was short and to the point. God allowed me to see this from a safe vantage point. I was watching from a place where I could see the rooftops of a quiet neighborhood. It could have been in any small town in the U.S., I didn't recognize it as a specific place. There were a few blocks of homes in my line of sight. It was just before sunset in the evening. To my right, I heard the low, thundering sound of wings approaching in the distance. So now um, I will repeat the books and the verses. I won't read through them again, but I'll just quote them again. So you can go back and read those scriptures to match up with what this guy saw in a vision. Thundering sound of wings approaching in the distance and turned my head to see what I knew was a dark cloud of innumerable locust-type creatures descending on the town. I knew they came from the underworld. I watched as this dark cloud covered the town in the distance and approached closer and closer to the neighborhood where I was located. As the creatures drew closer, the air was filled with a demonic buzzing hum that enveloped the neighborhood. The sound was unholy, creepy. One by one, I watched the rooftops breached by hordes of these insect-type creatures. They appeared dark, muted shades of black, green, gray, and were probably about the size of a horse or cow. Notice that size of a horse. Okay. They were a hybrid, insect and mammal. I think. They were disgusting in appearance. They were militant in their behavior as a troop of soldiers descending, determined, and relentless. I watched as these creatures landed in groups between two and six on the roofs of the homes before me. My eyes were drawn to the one particular rooftop, and God allowed my eyes to zero in on one of these creatures. I watched it morph into an almost robotic-type machine 
creature of incredible strength. This, see, it's morphing, it's shape-shifting, okay? This machine creature now had the physical capabilities for demolition. I watched as it tore a hole in the roof and entered the dwelling. I knew everyone inside that home would be dead in a matter of moments. That is when I woke up. Okay, there's more, more that he talks about, but other things. Okay, going back to Jeremiah 4, chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 13. Joel chapter 2. And then Revelation chapter 9. Seemed to me to be all tied in together. And there's probably others, okay, that here and there. And if I remember what they are, come across, and I'll include them in my list. So let's see. I'm kind of touching on various different subjects and topics here tonight. So getting back to, like, um, when Lucifer rebelled, taking a third of the angels with him, either convinced and or coerced up to one-third, okay, convinced some of them, coerced other ones. And those who were coerced, um, as John has read on times before on this show and then Angel War show, is some of those have deep regrets for for allowing themselves to be coerced and or hoodwinked by Lucifer, because not only regret it, okay, Um, but just like Esau, when he woke up to the fact that uh, he had given away his birthright, his inheritance, to Jacob. He wept with bitter tears to his father. He wept with bitter tears of repentance, but it was too late. The deed had been done and could not be undone. Okay, So there comes a point we should not take our time that we have to repent for granted. Because as with Noah's Ark, Noah himself, I suspect, could not find it within himself to close the door to the Ark. He couldn't do it himself. Now, physically, men, you know, physically, he was physically capable of closing that Ark door. But mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and he knew that if he were to close that door, friends, extend, extend you know, family members outside of his immediate family, friends, acquaintances, business associates, okay, people that he had witnessed to, people that he had prayed with, gone to church with, whatever kind of church they had back in those days, okay, they would perish. So it would be with a heavy heart if he could summon up the strength at all to close that door, so God finally had to close it. God himself had to close the door to the ark. Because we ourselves don't have it within ourselves to close that door to our loved ones, to our friends, our acquaintances, business partners, even those who have grievously hurt us. Bottom line, if we really dig deep enough, we really don't want them to have to go through that for all eternity, that we would not close that door to the ark. But at some point, God has to close the door to the ark. At some point, judgment must come. Don't be on the wrong side of that door to the ark. <laughs> okay. So 
in getting back to Luciferian rebellion, um, in the, in previous shows I've covered where there's Rahab, um, Leviathan, and Behemoth. And there might have been a fourth one, um, Zith, I, I think. I haven't done enough research on that one, but they, they were the top tier created beings right after Lucifer, in my opinion, the way scriptures read, and I covered that in former, former shows. But Rahab is the one that God did go up against with his great and mighty sword and cut Rahab to pieces. Okay? This is a top tier, and, and reading the uh, account on Behemoth, that's found in Job chapter 40, I believe it is, uh, 41, somewhere in there. And it's just a small number of verses dealing with Behemoth, but in there it even indicates that only the maker of Behemoth can slay Behemoth. It wouldn't, you can uh, have all the weapons of the secret space program at your disposal to defeat Behemoth. <laughs> ain't gonna do squat. Not even Leviathan nor Rahab, if Rahab were still intact. Now, God is remember in the these angels kept at the river Euphrates that we read here in Revelation chapter nine. Okay. That God has Leviathan on hold and Behemoth on hold. They have been shaped, um, phase-locked into this planet. Okay? That's another, again, if you watch, uh, understand, um, you can watch, um, well, there's a movie called The Philadelphia Experiment, also a book about it that goes into what happened back in 1943. And... Also, there's various episodes of Star Trek, um, the original Star Trek, as well as the uh, Star Trek Dash Enterprise, uh, some very interesting portrayals of this very thing as being phase-locked um, into a different reality or um, co-joined with, you know, you, you come back into your existing reality, but co-joined with, you know, and, and nobody can get you out of it, right, can break you free, you're, you're your molecules, your atoms have become co-joined uh, together. So uh, Rahab was cut to pieces. So God's keeping Rahab on the back burner for his judgments, okay, during the seven seal judgments and wrath to come. And so Lucifer is feverishly, with all his minions and everything, trying to put Rahab back together. And it's more than just concocting a DNA concoction in a laboratory that involves putting putting the planet the fifth planet back together so you can extract either extract Rahab from its phase locked in the fifth planet or to be able to simultaneously do that from all the debris of what's left over from the fifth planet which would be immensely difficult to do because the fifth planet was blown not only in our three-dimensional realm but into alternate dimensional realities okay so we see evidence of rahab or the fifth planet maldek blowing into mars slamming into earth venus jupiter etc so part of that happening is part of what we read in genesis 1 verse 2 and the earth had become without form and void of life. 
that implies that it did have form and it was teeming in life before whatever catastrophe hit it. Well, can you imagine our planet being pummeled by debris from Maldek? Okay. <clears throat> and that debris, especially the debris that's in alternate dimensional realities that NASA has no way of, you know, they're lucky to find find something coming at us on this planet within a few hours before it coming to our planet, let alone the debris from an alternate dimensional reality. Okay, so it's going to happen uh, pretty much without warning. So picture, for example, then this Rahab being cut to pieces. <clears throat> Phase having been phase-locked into Maldek is now in all these various pieces and chunks of Maldek. <clears throat> and we know that a planet has an atmosphere, it has oceans, waters, landmass, etc. So all these various chunks play out, especially in these four first trumpet judgments of Revelation chapter 8. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm done. Yes, you are. <laughs> all right. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us. We will see you Friday night, 7 p.m. for the Friday night prayer vigil. God bless you all. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Take care. You too. Yeah.
Oh, this earth. 